When Michael Myers was six years old, he stabbed his sister to death. Please don't hurt me. No, please, my baby, please give him to me. For years, he was locked up in Smith's Grove Sanitarium, but he escaped. Wait, Dr. Loomis, are you out there? Can you hear me, Dr. Loomis? I need your help. Please, please, no, no. One by one, he killed his entire family until his nine-year-old niece, Jamie Lloyd, was the only one left alive. I just received a phone call. That girl, Jamie Lloyd, her body was found this morning near Haddonfield. Many people believe them dead, but I think that someone hid them away. Someone who keeps Michael, protects him. I see only one bastard in this house. So goddamn respect. Dr. Loomis? I don't know you, do I? I'm Tommy. Tommy Doyle, Laurie Strode, Jamie's mother, who's babysitting me the night when Tommy Doyle. Runes are a kind of early alphabet. They're, they were symbols used in pagan rituals to portend future events and invoke magic. Among the ancient druids, Thorn represented a demon that spread sickness, brought death to hundreds of thousands of people. Beth, I want you to listen to me. Get Tim and get out of that house right now. Carol, what the hell is going on? Beth, look out, there's someone in the room. He's right behind you. I'm Barbara Crampton from Chopping Mall, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to this special Halloween festive. Festive? Is Halloween festive? But anyway, it's the Halloween episode, and um, in time on a tradition, we're moving our way through the sequels, and we're now on to 1995's um, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers or one of its many other titles. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a spooky good time this time, and we're kind of back from a semi-hiatus. It's only a, a kind of, this is like a, uh, a little show to keep you keep you going. We're away for another three weeks, but then we're back with more goodies and hopefully onto a slightly more regular basis. But um, without further ado, uh, on this episode 88, I'll introduce you to the fellow ghouls. Joseph, how are you doing? I'm good. You're how good. are you? I'm very well, thank you. Did you um, know that Michael Myers killed people? I had heard a rumor. It was just yes, a rumor. He did. Uh, okay. Oh, there he goes into Susie and the Banshees <laughs> mode already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking actually because um, they, you know, Susie and the Banshees did the, the Fawn EP, which I thought would be quite a good thing to play. Mm. So I'm just going to stop now to play all four tracks. So see you in about half an hour. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, what was the lead single off the Thorny P? Uh, Overground. Oh right, yeah, yeah, and um, it was a retooling of all of their some of their older songs, but with a Bavarian orchestra, I think it was. So it was recorded in a castle in Bavaria. Classy, so, classy indeed. Yes. So, well, anyway, Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing good, and I suppose we should point out that we did promise the last horror film for this episode, but that will now be the next episode. Yes, so we've we you know we've we've done lots of stuff for that. That was a bit on. Um, basically, I had a, an accident last time, um, and I I hurt my ribs, so I was kind of out of action. So we've had a bit of the curse. Drink related? No, no, it wasn't this time. Oh. I actually was jumped on by a small child. Oh, which um, was unfortunate. I was just around some friend's house and. Uh, uh, their children were jump running across the top of the sofa, and one of them decided his little toddler jumped on me while I was lying on the sofa. So that's what happens when you do don't. You like, sorry, do you like children? 
Do Justin. I like children? Not anymore. No. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so that's what happens when you don't eat protein. Your your bones are brittle, Justin. Yeah. Well, it wasn't my. Well, yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was. Um, I think it's cartilage that got dislodged or something. So, but anyway, I'm more or less back to normal. Well, as normal. They would. They would have bounced off me. Well. <laughs> well, there you go. So, um, well, they would have been stuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, uh, how are you doing? I'm okay. You're good. Okay, right. Well, how was your um, big day? Because obviously we talked about it last time, about your, you survived the trip. Oh, yes. I uh, survived the plane, yes. I landed appropriately, which was nice. Yes. It was good. It rained all day the day before, and since it was an outdoor wedding, we were a little worried. But, you know, the next day, on our wedding day, it was very sunny, so well, it worked out. Well, that's good. And you survived the trip back. Yes, I survived it as well. Gosh, well, that's good. Well, any congratulations to you and Wes. So, yes, um, thank congratulations. You. It's the first Hysteria Lives mm-hmm. wedding. It's a con- mm-hmm. continues wedding, I should say. So, obviously, waiting for Eric and Joseph to make I'm not marrying Joseph. Well, you never know. That would be, wouldn't that be that a fairy tale ending? Eric. Wouldn't that, that would be, be a fairy tale That'd be quite a long distance relationship there. Yeah. yeah. Get, a, get a green card. I'd he like is? to think I can do better than Eric. <laughs> hey, I was about to say, I think you're really dreamy. Well, I am dreamy, but... Oh, you. you're so rude. Mm, yeah, so rude. rude. Maybe I'll marry Justin instead, then. You can't. I'm already well, married. Kind of yeah, well. Like yeah, well, I can break up that marriage quite easily. I've done it before. Quite easily. How? How would you do that? With my sheer sexiness. Okay. Well, well let's see. Let's see if you can uh, wreak your Machiavellian plans or not. But, um, and it is a big but, we are moving on to, what are we moving on to? Um, Recently Seen, I think. Yes. So, who would like to go first? Um, How about Nathan? Well, um, I watched Children of the Corn with Grant Grant, and I had totally forgotten how stupid the main characters in that movie are. It's almost like every possible wrong decision you can make, they make it. You know, I mean... I'm sure you guys have seen that film, right? Not for a long time, but yes. Not for a long time, yeah. Is that the one with the children and the corn? Yeah, that was it. Oh, yeah. It's a great detective work. Um, But, I mean, it was one of those ones where we were just trying to think of a movie to watch, and we just came across it on uh, cable, and we just decided to watch it because I hadn't seen it in years either. And, I mean, I still really like the movie, but wow. It's like you go into this town and there's nobody there, and it's obviously something weird is going on, and yet you decide, with a dead body in your trunk, I might add, to just kind of explore the town instead of you know uh, going to the next nearest town, I'd say, or at least just getting out of that area. Um, you know, so I, I didn't think they were too bright. Um, Linda Hamilton is not the same Linda Hamilton from the Terminator. No, which one was made first? I actually the don't Terminator. know. Was, was it? Terminator? Well, they're both the same know. year, so. <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, I, I, like I said, I still really like the movie. It's just so much more cheesy than I remembered it being. <laughs> I didn't really care for the cutesy ending, though. You know, oh, it's a cute little kids, eh, whatever. Haven't they made about um, 800 of those by now yes they have oh yeah mm. it's one of those ones that gets uh, a lot of sequels mm. Mm. The still- sixth, the, sorry the sixth entry was called um children of the corn 666 which incidentally was an original title for halloween six as well it was yes you've been mm. doing your homework eric i have 
Ah, very good. Um, nice. What anything? Anything else, Nathan? I went to the theater and watched Annabelle. Okay. Yeah. And and I loved it. I mean, it's getting a lot of negative mm, comments. Yeah. I see people insulting that movie constantly, but. I mean, I don't know what people expected. I mean, I guess I don't know what their expectations were. My expectations was just a brainless, entertaining movie with a bunch of jump scares. And, you know, I mean, that's pretty much what I got. I mean, it's it's not particularly smart or anything like that. It's just entertaining. I mean, it's it's the plot is as bare bones as you can get. You know, <laughs> possessed doll, you know, torments family, <laughs> the end. But... You know, I mean, it's your typical horror movie. And people jump on this like, oh, well, the characters make so many dumb decisions. And I'm like, well, yeah, they do. But, I mean, just like with Children of the Corn, I mean, that's just a horror movie. I mean, people make stupid choices in a horror movie. Have you guys seen that um, that Geico commercial where they make fun of people doing stupid stuff in scary movies? A what commercial? It's an insurance company, oh, Geico. No. No, okay. That's... Well, their commercial, um, it's a bunch of teens outside and um, there's a running car off to the side and they're like, they're obviously being stalked by a killer and they're like, oh, what should we do? And one's like, let's just get in that car and drive away. And they're like, no, no, no. Let's go over here and hide behind all these chainsaws. <laughs> and they run over and hide behind the chainsaws and you see the killer behind them and he kind of lifts his mask up and scratches his head. <laughs> and then one girl gets a phone call and she's just like, oh God, yeah, my crush is texting me. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's actually a pretty funny commercial, but I mean, it just kind of reminds you that, you know, people do stupid stuff in horror movies and, you know, in Annabelle, yeah, they make some stupid choices, but I mean, there's a great scene like in a stairwell. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. I hasn't seen it, but I thought it was a really creepy scene. Then I get online and people are just like, God, that was so stupid. And I'm like, eh, I don't get it. I liked it. I thought it was really good. I think just off on uh, slightly off from that, that um, uh, stupid top three stupid decisions in horror movies might be quite good. In slash yes. movies, might be quite mm-hmm. good. I actually three. would have fun with that one because yeah. there are several. Well, we oh, were done we, that already. Have we done have that we? already? I don't know. It seems like we have. Yeah, mind you. Well, we were. We are still doing the top three that we for the last horror film, aren't we? We yeah. yes. top three. What was that? That was top three. Red herrings. Wasn't Red herrings, it? wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So we've got all of that lined up. So um, we are going to be doing that next time. Uh, so if you actually want to hear stupid, uh, our top three stupid decisions in horror movies, even if we've already done it, just let us know, and yes. we'll do it again. We'll yeah. do it again. Who's going to remember? Yeah, we so have, I don't. Remember. I wouldn't even remember what I picked. Yeah, no, exactly. I still can't remember if we've done Terror Train, have we? Nope. No. No. Okay. Not yet. See, that's how bad I am at this type of stuff. Oh, Eric. I know. I'm Dimension. just as bad. I was going to recommend a movie, and then I went through our old titles, and I'm like, oh, we've already done it. Never mind. I know. I know. We're getting in there. We're getting up in there in numbers, aren't we? We're inching very slowly towards um, uh, top 100. Well, number 100, aren't we? Yep. Probably at this rate in 2042. But yes. <laughs> we will get there. Um, it's all Eric's fault. It's, well, yeah. Well, apart from last well, time. And the children jumping on Justin's ribs. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. So, well, um, I haven't seen Annabelle yet. Is, um, I take it, and neither no. of you have, have you? Um, I, I must admit, I was put off by the reviews because I really so like The Conjuring. And um, on, on another aside, did you hear that James Wan is going back to do Conjuring 2? 
Yeah, and I'll definitely see it. Because mm. he swore off, didn't he, scary movies, didn't he, for a yeah. while? But then, unfortunately, when he went off to make Fast and Furious 442, then obviously that whole awful thing with Paul Walker happened, didn't it? So it's probably not... Maybe he just wants to go back to doing something he knows. Maybe. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, stick with the genre that works for you. Mm, mm. And make an awful lot of money out of that as well. Yeah. Although I imagine Annabelle's bad reviews has probably soured um, its prospects a little bit. But, uh, but I'm really, I'm really saddened that um, it's getting so many bad reviews. I mean, if you guys see it, maybe if one, if you hate it, you can explain it to me. I just, I mean, it's just one of those things where a lot of the movies that I dislike, that I like, you know, like Last Slumber Party. I know why people don't like it, mm. but Annabelle's just one of those ones. I really don't get it. I don't know why people you know, hate it. And the reviews I read, I guess, don't really do a good job of explaining. All they do is say, well, the scares are stupid. I'm like, okay, I don't, I didn't think Has anyone word, but... seen, I don't want to jump the gun. Has anyone seen the Babadook, whatever it's called? It's getting amazing reviews. Not yet, but I want to see it. I'm, yeah. Hopefully it's I'm, be... I'm just curious to know what, what the critics are loving so much about this. Cause it looks like it's just another, from what I've seen, another conjuring or another insidious What's the name of type. It? The, the Babadook, Bab- is it? I haven't heard of that. Dumb it's a character, title. It's a character in a pop-up book that comes to life or something. Is it just... Huh. Yeah, it's Australian film. It's got um, 96% um, fresh yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like five-star reviews in major broadsheet newspapers over here. It opened, I think it opened yesterday, did it? Or on Friday. Yes, I think so, yeah. Oh, I want to see that. It looks, it looks at the, the, look up the trailer. The trailer looks really good. Um, but it's, yeah, it's supposed to be amazing, but... Uh, um, yeah, I'm going to try and see it this week. So, uh, but yes. Okay. I don't think it's opened over here yet. All oh, right. Uh, I, I, I didn't realise it was Australian. I thought it was an American production. No, no it's an Australian film. So um, that's probably why it hasn't opened in the States yet. So we've got it first. Mm. Um, but I think it's done. I think it did all the all the, the film festivals and, and stuff in the States this year. But maybe it's still looking for a distributor. But uh, but yes, Nathan. Anything else you want? Uh, no, that's no. it. Okay. Well, thank you. How about you, Joseph? Um. Yeah, I watched the ABCs of Death Part Two. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you good. liked the first film, yeah. you'll probably like this one. I, I will say that the ABCs of Death Two is a little better, not much, only because this one has like four like good stories and it has one outstanding short segment that I thought, wow, you know, that was really good. Why couldn't, you know, the rest of the letters be as good as this one? But it's just more of the same, you know, pretentious, arty kind of crap, basically. Just them trying to be all art, art, art house and clever and it's just not funny. It's not scary. I don't know why they you're making a film, a horror film, an anthology with all the letters of the alphabet, and they they throw in all this like you know art house cinema crap. It's, how's that horror related at all? Mm. It, it's just very frustrating to me. So, mm. well, I didn't. I kind of avoided the um, ABCs of Death because of the dog one anyway. So, and there's a horrible kitten <clears throat> incident as well. Mm. Oh, I won't watch that one. I actually mm. skipped that one actually because I knew in advance about it. Mm. I mean, but I get... I hate, God, I hated the first ABCs of Death. Mm. I hated it so much. Yeah, I didn't hate this one as bad, but I still disliked it. I would like to take the one segment that I really, really loved and just make a, a movie out of it because it really was that good. It didn't belong in this movie at all. 
The first one, I mean, to me, even the best story in the first ABCs of Death was okay. And that was it. But, I mean, stuff like the letter F, where some girl wants to live inside of a fart forever. I'm like, how is that hard? That is the stupidest (laughs) thing. It's like the dumbest thing in the world. And you're putting that in a movie. I don't get it. (laughs) That's like something that should be in like one of the new Wayans Brothers haunted house movies. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd. Well, okay. Well, thank you, Joseph. Anything, anything else? Yeah, I saw um, Alien Abduction, which is another found footage film about alien abduction. And oh. this one was this one, this one really? was actually really quite good. Mm. Um, I've heard good things about it because Patrick yeah, it's, it's put together it very, good. very, very well. I mean, it's almost like so so well put together mm. that it's not like a found footage film, but it obviously is. Mm. It's got some really good uh, suspense set pieces. Um, lots of good, you know, creep, creepy atmosphere. And the one good thing about this movie is like in most found footage films, you know, they take their dear sweet time getting to the payoff. This whole movie is just one big payoff. And it's just like constant action through the whole film. The only thing I didn't really care much about was they kind of, um, they kind of give away like the ending at the very beginning. And so when, by the time you get to the ending, you're like, well, we already saw that. What's the point? Hmm. But other than that, other than that, it's 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 very enjoyable. It's one of the better found footage films and, that I'm actually getting tired of. But it was a it was one of the better ones. So would Grant Grant like it? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Mm. Okay. No, I've I've heard good things about it, so I, I'll catch it at some point. I, d- I doubt it's it's quite a low budget film, isn't it? It doesn't look low budget. It, it looks great. I mean, the, okay. For a found footage film, it's got like excellent cinematography. It's just kind of weird mm. that it's so put together so well. Mm. Okay, well that sounds um, sounds like a good recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else? No, that's it. Okay, well thank you, uh, Eric. On to you. Yeah. yeah, well mine are all retro. I haven't seen anything new as such, but I did watch uh, Empire of the Ants, which is the wonderfully mm. silly Burt Gordon movie of what I assume. I've never read this short story. I assume the short story is quite serious. Uh, it's a H.G. Wells um, source. Um, one of the great things about it is not only has it got Joan Collins in it, but it's also got Pamela Susan Shoup from Halloween 2 mm. uh, doing her best kind of sort of bimbo impression as uh, they're all part of this uh, real estate investor group who are um, who run into trouble when they meet giant ants who have been munching down on nuclear radiation and grown to outrageous size um it's just wonderfully hokey i mean the effects in it are appalling it's 1977 uh it looks like the budget it would have been pretty decent but oh my god some of the some of the effects are just absolutely diabolically awful and the whole just the whole concept is wonderfully daft um and it's got a wonderfully hokey conclusion set in a, a giant, uh, or a, the local sugar refinery where the, the giant ants have set up base. Uh, it's one of the, those uh, nature run takes revenge movies that I love from the 70s. Uh, you know, Food of the Gods, Grizzly, all those type of things. And what on earth is the noise in the background? It sounds like... Oh, sorry, the cat jumped up here. <laughs> I'm trying to keep the animals at bay. Normally they leave me alone so during the podcast. A, do you live oh. in a zoo? It's a, nature takes revenge. <laughs> It is. Speaking of nature takes revenge, yeah. It is stripes. Day of the animals. Ah, stripes. Straps. Stripes. Scraps. Yeah. But whenever whenever I watch Empire of the Ants, Justin, I always think of you maybe having an Empire of the Ants themed party in your house because it seems something perfect for 
for I'm, you. I would love to do that, actually. Yeah. I was really disappointed because um, I only found out about it. Uh, there's In Bristol, there's a bad film club. And they, oh. they do big showings now of films. And they showed, um, uh, was it Graydon Clark's The Uninvited? Oh, very, I love that one. Yeah, which with was very, um, yeah. could have been stripes in it. But uh, yeah, with a killer cat. Yeah. Uh, She'd so be that, in it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. about 100 people there. I saw a photo, but it was sold out when I found out about it. So it was last night. Great. So, uh, Graydon Clark's going to invite and sold out. Wow. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a screening. So they've been they've shown quite a few good films actually. Well, good bad films it's like yeah. '80s action and sort of um, video. Uh, so there's quite a few things happening. You know, there's a Hellfire Video Club that show all sorts of weird stuff like Blue Sunshine and stuff like that here. So yeah, some good good stuff going on. But, uh, the yeah, the other film I watched was uh, David Cronenberg's not his first movie, but one of his very early ones, Shivers, which just has mm-hmm. uh, just been released on uh, Blu-ray by Arrow Video over here, um, and it's it's. Uh, a very, I suppose, sleazy, sexy movie. Um, it's about a slug-like virus, much like what you'd see in Night of the Creeps or Slither, maybe, and it infects the inhabitants of this ultra-high-tech modern building that houses the city, much like the high-rise buildings in Dread, which we were talking about, I think, on the last podcast. But um, the parasite, instead of you know turning people into vicious zombie, well, it does turn them into kind of zombies, but it makes them... Um, it makes them really, 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 really randy, like they've just, you know, inhaled tons of poppers, um, you know, and they start all behaving like Justin on a Saturday night out in you know, <laughs> his, his goth club looking to pick up sexy goth action. Um, uh, you know, I love... been following me again? Yes, I have. I know mm. all about your Saturday night antics, Justin. Yeah. Um, those are, I love those early Cronenberg movies because they have they have a real sort of cold and detached feel, you know, like in Rabbit and uh, The Brood. Uh, I mean, the acting possibly contributes to that because some of the actors aren't terribly good and they seem quite distant. But uh, I, I do. I love I love Shivers and it has that Invasion of the Body Snatchers vibe going on. Um, and uh, actually, the Blu-ray is really, really good. There's some great sort of uh, Cronenberg documentaries on there that I'd never seen before. Uh, you know, archive ones from the, the 70s and 80s. So, uh, yeah, Shivers. Just, That's a great movie. Mm. Just as an aside, Eric. Um, yeah. Linda Lowry from Shivers actually contacted us wanting to be in Gory Graduation, but we've already cast, so we're upset. Lynn Lowry. Really? Yeah, Lynn, Lynn Lowry. Yeah. 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 She really? was in... Um, That's kind of... She was in The Crazies. Yes, oh. and also, I, is I Drink Your Blood, it's called? She was in both yes, Crazies, right. wasn't she? Yeah, she was in both Crazies and I Drink yeah. Your Blood, and also, is it that she was in that um, Clint Eastwood's uh, tightrope? I think it was. Oh, right. She's doing a lot of um, she's doing a lot of independent horror these days, so that's probably why she sent us a message. Mm. Oh, you can't get us to do a, a cameo mm. of some kind. Yeah, yeah. But well, I love Shivers, but yeah. um, I actually like the other title better. They came from within. It's got yeah. like multiple meanings. Mm. So oh like yeah. So you get it? it? Does. You get it? it does. It's <gasps> so rude. Ooh. <laughs> I think I need to sit down after that. I've got a little, I've got a new little. Um, do you want to hear my new... Lisa, I don't seem to have a pair. I wouldn't say that, Dan. So, <laughs> uh, people were saying they were, they'd, they'd missed the uh, Kenneth Williams, so I've, I've got a few new yeah. ones for people to, to uh, dot throughout the show. Um, excellent. Well, no, that sounds, sounds good. I have to rewatch Shivers again because I remember mm. liking it. And also I remember it from my childhood. Uh, and the, it's one of the ones with that and Rabbit were always at the video shop. Uh, back mm. in the early 80s 
they're always the ones that there was um i think it was what was it called there was a, a video shop where they literally where they hired out the the vcrs and the betamaxes and as they were back then and um they would have they they had a shelf of videos in there um i think it was was it read Diffu not rediffusion renter something anyway but they only had about 15 videos in the whole of the shop um and we were, two of them were shivers and one of them were uh, shivers and rabid and one of them was friday 13th and i can remember that really clearly mm. anyway that's because an old fart so <laughs> no i do remember watching shivers uh with my father in the room as i watched it mm. and just thinking oh my god it's getting too sexy oh don't take off your top don't take off your top ah! <laughs> you know what it's like when you see nudity on screen and your parents are in the room yes yes so like that, that happened yes. to me spectacularly with the film called Exorcist 3, Cries and Shadows, okay. which I thought was going to be some Exorcist-type fun, but instead it was an Italian film called Naked Exorcism that had been retitled, and it was just wall-to-wall -wall orgies. When I, I was four... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying I wanted, I wanted the ground to swallow me up at that stage. <laughs> when I was like 14 or 15, I watched Basic Instinct with my parents. That was kind of awkward. Ouch, yes. <laughs> when I was like 10, I watched Sleepaway Camp 2 with my mother. Is there much nudity in lots, that? Yes. Yeah, all right. lots of, of course now. Of course now all the all the sex stuff and basic instincts is just kind of funny. I just watch it for all the violence now. Well, but, you watched yeah. watch it for the boobies back then? Yeah, for for the for the Sharon Stone stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Eric, is that you you spent? That's, yes, that's me spent. Okay. Well, just a run through a couple of things I saw. I saw Oculus last night. Mm. Um, which I uh, blind bought on Blu-ray because I'd heard good things about it. Has it, anyone else seen it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I want to, but no, I haven't. Did you? What did you think of it, Eric? Um, you, I you found it, it kind of confusing and hard to follow after mm. a while. Mm. Did you see it at one of the horror thongs? Uh, no, I saw it on a dodgy. Oh, Eric! No, I know. Oh, no. Well, anyway. Um, it was. I, I quite liked it. I, it wasn't as good as I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah, I was um, disappointed, but I mean, I did. There, mm. It had sufficient frights in it, I think. But I just, I kind of lost the thread of where it was going halfway through. I think I was checking my iPhone, and you know, right. yeah. I mean, I kind of. Um, I really like the director whose name escapes me. His first film, Absentia, which yeah. is um, which is really good. And uh, this this was good, and it's quite clever. But it it, it doesn't. It, I don't know. It doesn't quite come together in the in the right way perhaps um uh, I, I think it because it's without giving anything away i mean it's, it's the whole premise is a haunted mirror and um it makes people see things uh, kind of hallucinate and see things in that aren't really there or different versions of events um and the story is kind of split in two time zones which kind of run parallel to each other which is quite clever and it's it's done pretty well but it also means it's kind of the, uh, the you know the whole pace is a little bit um staccato i kind of guess kind of a little bit you know so it's kind of up and down um and it kind of i think it it has a little bit of problem keeping its momentum to the very end but it was it, it was it was okay okay i'd i'd look forward to watching it again and seeing if i pick up more from it that's one of the reasons i actually wanted to see it because the director uh, did absentia which was god that movie's so good mm. i love but that movie i think the problem and this is one of the the issues i think it seems to be whenever a director takes a short film and expands it into a feature length uh film it usually doesn't work does it um quite in the way it should and this is oculus apparently i'm not sure if it's on the british blu-ray but the um it's based on his short film 
uh, called Oculus something, something, something. But uh, it, it it just it it feels like it's the it's an idea that's stretched over ninety minutes, um, which doesn't quite carry that. Uh, but it's good performances and some quite good gore and some a couple of good frights. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not got the pacing of saying something like The Conjuring or Insidious or those, those kind of films. But although they're much, I kind of guess more mainstream. But it's yeah, it's a it's a okay film. Um, a Mike Flanagan other... is his name. Is it okay? Yeah, cool. and but, the, uh, the short was called Oculus Chapter Three: The Man with the Plan. Right. Okay. Which Someone is weird because so, there's no yeah. chapter one or two. No. Just as an aside, um, is The Conjuring good? Because I still haven't seen it. I loved The Conjuring. The Conjuring's a lot of fun. I really liked it. It's got some, uh, good, some very good scares. You didn't like I, it, Eric? I didn't. I thought that I didn't like it. I just found it a bit ho hum. I have to say. Okay. No, I. So, I it's, really, so it's wonderful, Justin. I wouldn't say it's wonderful. I would say that I've really enjoyed it. I've seen it and, um, about four times now. What? I think it. Yeah, well, I, I saw it. I've mean, seen it several too. I saw I it at cinema. It I saw it at cinema, and then bought it on Blu-ray and showed it to friends. All right. So well, I didn't. I remember good, not. It probably is then. I remember not liking the ending quite a lot. I think so the, the ending is probably wonderful. <laughs> I think the problem is it goes with like most modern horror films. It has it has to have that kind of payoff, and without giving anything away, it kind of does have that payoff, which makes it kind of so it kind of becomes that blockbuster payoff. Which, um, if you know, if you could have ended the film in a quieter way but more powerful way, then that might have been better. See, but my it, problem is that um, you know I like the first Insidious film, hmm. and um, I didn't really care a whole lot for Sinister, even though I know it's a different director. I mean, I thought it had some great moments, but then I watched Insidious too, and I couldn't even finish that movie; it was so awful. Hmm. So I'm kind of scared to watch The Conjuring. Well, The Conjuring is a lot better than Insidious. Yes, it is. Better. I think The Conjuring is better than the first Insidious. Mm. See, I love the first one, but that second one, man, I don't know if I can ever go back and finish it. I think so. I would say The Conjuring's probably better than the first Insidious as well. Okay. I think okay, I'll give it a um, shot. Then. I wouldn't see. My whole thing is, I wouldn't go into The Conjuring thinking you're going to see like you know something new or original or anything like that. I mean, I just went in saying, okay, it better be entertaining. Yeah, and there's a lot of to those, me. Um, it was there's a lot of those kind of creepy faux creepy ghost movies come out we're going to see what was it ouija this monday ouija 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 whatever you want to pronounce it i'd never even heard of it until like this weekend they're like mm. you want to go see it i'm like what the hell are they talking about mm. it's just like they're coming out of the woodwork everywhere so but, i say keep churning them out yeah. i want to see horror in the theater and i don't care if it's bad horror just keep churning them out because amongst all the bad you're bound to find a diamond in there somewhere that is true that is true um just a couple of other things I saw. I saw Raising Cain again, the Brian oh, Armour film, God. which I love that one. I didn't. It didn't stand up for me as well um, <gasps> this time. I saw it at the cinema back when it came out, and I remember loving it. It didn't stand up quite as well this time, but it's still it's still entertaining. Um, uh, what's his name? Lithgow. What's John? John, John, John Lithgow. Yeah, he's he's really good in a in frock. It. In a frock. Yes. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's loved the whole Hitchcock thing and the showdown in the motel and all the slow mo and everything like that. It's great, um, but it's uh, it, yeah, it didn't it, it didn't quite stand up as as it, you know. Sometimes you see a film years ago and you remember thinking, "Wow, that was amazing," and you think, "I always mean to to um, catch up again." And when you watch it, it's, it's a, it feels like a different experience. And that was kind of how that was with uh, Raising Cain. But uh, but I know you you're a big fan, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, I love Brian De Palma films, and he's one, like one of my favorite. I know he's a Hitchcock, 
you know, rip rip off artists, but I don't know. I like all his films that I've seen. Mm. Um, I, I remember Raising Cain. I remember the, the one shot where um, I think it's Lolita Davidovich. Is she the one that's in that movie? Uh, I think so. Yeah, but yes. the, anyway, yeah. the the main girl mm. is standing there, and they, he does this kind of like um, this 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 depth of perception dolly zoom on her, and then Lithgow's like behind her, and he's dressed in drag. And I always found that shot really creepy. Mm. No, it's, it's a good film, but it's yeah. Um, the other the other couple of films I saw, which neither of them are slasher movies, but I just mentioned them very quickly. Is one was Calvary, which is the Irish film. Have you seen that, Eric? No, no. It's good. It's I know of it, yeah, but it's kind of a, about a priest who is. Um, it's kind of a thriller, but quite quirky thriller. A priest is sitting in a confessional, and then someone comes in and says he was abused by a priest, so he's decided he's going to kill a good priest, and he's going to kill that priest in, he, in a week's time, and he's got to try and work out who in his congregation is is trying to kill him. Um, uh, so I thought that was worth seeing. It's kind of a bit of an art house film in some ways, but. Uh, that was good. And the, the other film I saw, which is kind of, is, which got really good reviews, it was kind of like the anti-thriller thriller, which was with Tom Hardy, was in the film Lock. Um, oh, is that good? Well, it, yes, yes and no. I mean, it's kind of, it, if you, I didn't realize, I didn't know what it was about. I knew it was supposed to be a really, really good thriller, but it's, it's him in a car on a motorway the whole film on the phone that's it he never gets out the car i think right at the beginning you see him get in the car but the rest of the film if for the next 90 minutes is him driving and talking to different people various people um and it's quite mundane stuff it's all about affairs and trying to he's he's a contractor for concrete for this massive project in london and it's he's got to go to to somewhere else to to sort something out no he's in manchester i think he's got to go to london to sort something out and it's it's he's getting all these phone calls from different people and it's kind of weird because it's so mundane but it's it never loses uh, your attention because it's quite exciting and it's 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 curious but it's i, I would recommend it yeah because um Someone recommended it. I think my brother saw it, and he said, you really need to see Locke. It's really good. Mm. And I was like, it's him in a car for 90 minutes. Mm. But, yeah, I, I read some reviews, and it sounds really interesting, so I, I, I want to check that out. Yeah, I think especially, actually, as a kind of masterclass to see what you can do on a relatively low budget, I kind of guess, in mm. one one location. Because wasn't there that, what was that film where the guy was in um, Buried Underground? Buried buried okay yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. but yeah so that, those kind of is, i think it can be if it's done well it can be done really well when, if it's like night of horror then it's not so good <laughs> <laughs> that movie's great and it had multiple locations and it had that yes it did camp, camper van as well well that, yeah although it did seem to take, most of the most of the film did seem, seem to take place in that bar downstairs in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, Right. Okay. Well, I think that's everything uh, I can think of at the moment. So, shall we zoom in and let the yellow and orange leaves fall and get on to, well, back to Haddonfield? And Eric, are you going to take us in after this? I will, yes. Okay, well, here is the trailer for Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Every legend is based on fact. Every myth is grounded in truth. For 17 years, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, has been haunted by a night when evil roamed the streets and a madman ruled the night. 
everyone knows his name. Now, everyone will know the truth. I knew what he was, but I never knew why. Halloween 6, the origin of Michael Myers. In a single horrifying night, Michael Myers' reign of terror changed Halloween forever. Now, six years after he was presumed dead in a fire, Michael has returned to kill again. And this time there's no escape. As his fury builds to a spine-tingling climax, the long-hidden secrets of the screen's most maniacal murderer are shockingly revealed. Um, it's hardly a surprise to hear me say that uh, I wouldn't rate part six of the Halloween series too highly. Um, like the Friday the 13th, uh, franchise and the Elm Street films and the Hellraiser series. It suffers from that 1990s urge to reinvent the franchise by taking it in absolutely ridiculous and stupid areas and directions and then falling flat on its face in its attempts to do so. Um, and Halloween 6 is stupid. A cult of old age pensioners are protecting Michael Myers. Um, they set him up, you know, for a shag with his own niece. So, uh, you know, which is the m most peculiar plot point even for a film as ridiculous as Halloween 6 um, I've, also, I've always noted that uh, whenever franchises think they're too good to have a numerical uh, a numeric in their title like this was released as Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers whenever they drop the, the number from the title it always is a sign for me that the series is going downhill um, and this is further proof of that uh, I'll, you know other examples Jason Goes to Hell um, Freddy's Dead you know need I say more uh, the film is, it's kind of uh, laboured with, it, you know, it has to take over some of the plot points from Halloween 5, which is, of course, you know, the main thing was explaining the man in black. And that's one of the biggest problems with the film. Uh, it's striving too hard to explain, uh, you know, all the plot threads left hanging from the previous entry in the series. Um but even so, I'm certain they sure, surely they could have come up with something better than what they did, uh, you know, because some of the stuff that's in Halloween 6 is just embarrassing. Uh, the film is not a complete failure for me, though, I have to say. Uh, it has its moments. The theatrical cut has some decent gore effects, you know, Jamie impaled in farm machinery, uh, the over-the-top nasty father character who is just one of the most poorly written characters in, uh, in the entire series. Uh, you know, you get to see his head explode. Um... And I like the way it has brought back some of the characters from the original Halloween, like Tommy Doyle and Dr. Wynn, you know. But even even with those characters back in it, and even with Donald Pleasance in it, it doesn't really feel like a Halloween sequel to me for some reason. Something's just not right about it. Um, Donald Pleasance himself is kind of a mixed bag for me. I, he was so essential to parts one and two. But in parts four, five and six, I find him um, a hindrance to the film, to be honest. Uh, and the film, I think, in parts four, five, and six, the film drags whenever he's on screen. And, and you know, I'm sorry to have to say that because I do like Donald Pleasance. I, as I said, I thought he was great in parts one and two, but just in four, five, and six, in particularly in six, you can tell he's at death's door. And, you know, he kind of has this present, this feeling of, I don't want to be here about him. And, and would you blame him, really, when you look at the finished product? Um, there's so many problems with the plot of Halloween 6 and one of the main ones is 
I don't know why all these franchises feel the need to have the killer focus on a very particular member of the family. Like in Jason Goes to Hell, you had um, Aaron Gray playing some Voorhees relative that Jason was after. And in this, you have this baby that Michael's after. Uh, in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, it introduces, you know, the troubled young child who uh, goes into trances and, you know, wanders off into the street you know, coming face to face with the killer. And again, this is another stupid plot element of Halloween 6. Um, I've watched the two versions. I bought the Halloween box set that came out recently from um, Scream Factory. And of course, they have a Blu-ray of the producer's cut looking spectacular, you know, and, you know, a real refreshing change considering that we've all been used to seeing the hideous sort of 15th generation VHS cut of it on YouTube. Um, But I still think I prefer the theatrical cut. I think it's... you know, the final 20 minutes of a play much more like a regular slasher movie, which is what I want from a Halloween sequel. Um, I know um, the, you know, sort of the defense all of these filmmakers have is, oh, we were just trying to do something different and the fans didn't like it, but it's not our fault. They just want the same stuff over and over again. I mean, I don't mind something different if they do it well, but they didn't do it well in Halloween 6 at all. And if you're going to be as, if you're going to make a film as uh crap in the script department it's halloween six you might as well just give us more of the same i mean there's a particular reason why we all love friday the 13th one to four and halloween one and two it's because they just deliver more of the same for us um uh halloween six in either cut is uh it's a failure it's not the biggest failure in the entire franchise i still think it's better than part four and it's miles ahead of the two rob zombie versions which i had the displeasure of watching uh, in their unrated cuts in this box set, which means they both run over two hours long and they are as hideous and horrible as I remembered seeing when I saw them in the cinema. Um, so Halloween 6 is definitely not the worst in the series. Um, but uh, it doesn't have a review on Hysteria Lives. So Justin, I'm going to hand this over to you. I'm interested to see what you thought of Halloween 6. Because mm. I don't think we've spoken much about it. In no, the- no. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen it for um, quite a while. And I, I remember not being particularly fussed when I first saw it. So actually I saw the producer's cut. I haven't, I haven't seen the, um, the, uh, the cinema cut for a number of years. So I watched the producer's cut and it was obviously nice, as you, you said, to see it finally um, looking at how it, how it should. Um, I think it's the, basically it was, a, it was a perfect example of too many chefs, wasn't it? Because I'm mm. sure we get into background that the film was very much troubled and was reshot and was meddled with by far too many people and you ended up with a bit of a bit of a mess i mean i don't have a problem with the thorn thing because the whole thorn thing the sam hain and the ancient ritual stuff was actually in the the novelization of of the first film which i think was used to flesh out the the kind of the idea and i think we talked about this with, with halloween before the problem and the beauty of the original halloween and to some degree halloween too is the fact is, um, well, less so with Halloween too, is the fact is that there really is not a story as such in Halloween. It's all style and scares. Um, and so there's there's a whisper of a story, but the whole idea that keeps Michael scary in the first film is that it could be anyone. It's, it's a random thing. He's not really a man. He is a man, but he's actually a a cipher he's a he's the boogeyman he's he's something of the night he's not he's not real and he's but he's an omnipresent threat whereas it, obviously in halloween 2 they kind of dilute that by deciding they have to come up with an idea to link him to laurie strode by making him um making them related like brother and sister and with this film you now then have by the end of the film you have michael 
stood next to all these people who were going to um, kind of sacrifice this child and, um, you know, standing there as, a, as basically a bystander in his own movie, which I thought was bizarre. Um, and then to have him kind of turn into not exactly the hero, but actually uh, kind of not kill people because he doesn't want his, his child to be killed uh, gives him too much emo uh, human emotion. Um, so having said that, there was stuff I liked about the film. I thought it, it, they, unlike part five, um, which, you know, was didn't look like it was set at Halloween at all, um, they actually went went all out to make this look like Halloween and it was shot, I think it was shot in late 94, but it had, you know, the leaves on the ground and it felt like, it felt chilly. It had the atmosphere of Halloween, which I appreciated. Um, the cast, I, I, you know, I like Paul Rudd as Tom. Yeah, Dorn. I'm sure you do. Yeah, <laughs> well... He's um yes he's uh yeah he's quite a welcome addition um to the film. Uh, I think you're you're right with Donald Pleasance. I mean Donald Pleasance was he he's just he's just too doddery in this. To mm -hmm. and there's a couple of times he kind of there's a fire there that he kind of does his his spiel about Michael Myers and you know the the evil and all this kind of stuff when he's talking to um, the mother, but. He's not really. He's unfortunately. He's he's just. Um, he's 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 basically not um, as good as he was. Um, you know, he hasn't got that energy that he had in parts one and two, and even four and five. Um, I did appreciate seeing the um, the photo of Divine on Tommy's fridge. I, I noticed that. that yeah, yeah. I suppose, oh, that's what you can see when you get a Blu-ray of it. I can guess. Um, the other thing that struck me was that <clears throat> um, what I found really annoying was Michael Myers again doesn't look like Michael Myers. He, he kind of, you know, they, they, every time they did these films right up until, well, I'm trying to think, you know, they, you see, they're to a penny now. You see on Instagram and Facebook and people dressed in Michael Myers, Marcy and Biden on eBay, and they've all done them, you know, exactly, not some of them better than others, but look exactly like um, uh, William Shatner, sprayed mm. white, you know, the original mask. This one looks like a cheap mask. And even worse is that shot when he's he he pops up behind the the woman I can't remember who was the main the main woman, um, the sister with the with the little boy. But anyway, he pops up behind her and he's got a shock of orange red hair. He looks like he's wearing a Toya fright mark fright wig. Um, and why not? Maybe he's a big fan. He, that, well, maybe that, he is. Maybe that he is. serial like killer it. has taste. But he didn't. He has this kind of fright wig on, which is so I bizarre. Can't say I noticed really. that bit. Did you not? No. He, when she's walking down the street in that really horrible dress that she's got on, because that's the other thing. Mid nineties, a height of grunge, or possibly post grunge. But everyone was wearing a really horrible flannel, and the, the girls all had. Well, the, the lead character, she has this kind of strip tease at the beginning, doesn't she? And it goes down to her, her bra and panties, and then she wears this floor-length horrible paisley dress and this shapeless <laughs> jumper for the rest of the film which is which is bizarre um the other thing that kind of really took it out for me i know he was only a little kid but um the guy or the, the kid that played danny yeah. who was the one he was an awful actor wasn't he oh he yeah was, he was dreadful and it kind of uh, you know you had paul rudd who's a good actor and the others wasn't too bad um but uh, and I think it's a shame that uh, Danielle Harris wasn't in this. If she'd been in this, and again, we'll probably come on to why she wasn't, then um, I think it would have had that continuity. But it's the, the you know the woman who played her wasn't wasn't bad or anything. It just it it felt 
um, it felt wrong, basically. Mm. So it's not, I don't hate it. And I'm glad I saw a director's, uh, producer's cuts finally. Um, the only other thing that did strike me, and the thing that this is why, again, about how little they paid attention to certain things. Do you know the scene where the father goes down into the basement when all the power's out? Yeah. And the washing machine is still going. I know. How and he even, he even says, oh, the power's not on. And I'm yeah. like, well, how is the washing machine running? <laughs> exactly. It's kind of, you would have thought, you know, you've got hun- not hundreds, but you've got dozens of people on the shoot and people going, someone might have pointed that out. Mm. But it kind of, it felt at that time that it was a bit lazy and a bit like it's like it's only a Halloween sequel. So let's... Maybe let's... they have battery-operated washing machines in the States that we don't know about over here in Europe. Well, I'll pass this over to yeah. um, uh, Joseph. I mean, is that the case? Uh, to my knowledge, I, I've never seen a battery-powered washing machine, but I would imagine it would probably be more entertaining than watching Halloween 6. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Ouch! I watched the uh, producer's cut... Um, I did not watch the theatrical. I watched the theatrical when it first came out um, way back in 95. And um, after watching the producer's cut, I just did not have the energy to sit through another version of this film. Um, I'm not a huge Halloween fan to begin with of the series. I love the first two, don't get me wrong. But after that, I kind of, you know, just I kind of zone out. I mean, I just don't really care about the whole... um, I think Michael Myers for me is, you know, my least favorite villain of slasher films. You know, the first two, like I said, are great, but after that, I just don't care. But and um, I think the problem with this film, which is, you know, obviously a huge problem, is that it's so just exposition filled. It's basically people sitting around saying, "Well, when Michael Myers was a kid, he did this. If Michael Myers comes back, he's going to do this. This is what we need to do. We need we need to get to this certain point in time, this certain location at this certain point in time, and make sure we do this right, this way, and this that way. And that's the only way to stop the evil. And then the other person's like, "Yes, I agree." But we also need to go here. It's just a lot of exposition, and the plot is just so so silly. The problem is, like Justin said, it, Michael Myers is basically kind of peripheral to the story. He he doesn't even really show up until like after an hour. It's mostly just following, you know, um, this man in black and Loomis who I, I felt so bad for Donald Pleasance because you can tell he's deathly ill. And it's just so depressing to watch something like that. You know, him, him obviously trying, but just because of his health, he just delivers this very, very poor performance. Like at one point, he just kind of sounds like Loomis from the first film. And then like a scene later, his voice will be almost gone. He's like... We've got to get Michael Myers. I just, there's no fun in seeing someone struggle like that. It just takes you out of the film. Um, and I'm sorry, I thought Paul Rudd was completely awful in this film. Obviously, I, obviously, I think he's probably going to leave this off his resume. He, the problem is, like, you know, he's he's got a lot of screen presence here, but he's so monotone. He's like, I must stop Michael Myers. Did you know Michael Myers killed people when he was young? So you know, just monotone to the whole thing. It's like I would you know, agree with you, Joseph. There, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to break Justin's heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's obviously. I think he's a he's a fine actor now, obviously. But here, he's a little green. Um, I don't know. I just I don't like this movie at all. I mean, the one thing I can say about it is if the producer's cut that I saw, which was off that Blu-ray uh, print. Um, the cinematography is excellent. I mean, some of the shots in this uh, were really well done. It's really well put together. But the story is just so 
monotonous and boring. And I don't give a rat's ass about this cult. I don't care why Michael Myers is doing this. All I care about is, um, like Justin said, he's this silent boogeyman. Um, it could be anyone at any time. And then they go into all this expository, you know, oh, he was uh, brainwashed by a cult. Uh, let's get the entire town in on this cult. Let's get this man in black going around passing this supernatural thorn symbol from person to person. It just lost me. Uh, so a huge thumbs down from me, um, I'm afraid. Okay, well, let's go over to our, our defender of all things bad, Nathan. Can you defend Halloween 6? Well, somewhat. I can defend it somewhat, but somewhat I can't. This movie, it, it's, it's a huge mess. I mean, it's, it's a giant mess. I feel horrible for the editor, because how do you take all this and try to make it into a linear story? I mean, it's just so, like, it feels so slapped together to me. Now, I watched the theatrical version, because I knew some of you guys were watching the producer's cut. So I thought, okay, well, I'll watch the theatrical um, and I didn't have the producer's cut anyway. Um, but I think that the death scenes I liked, you know, like the Jamie's death on the farm equipment. I was like, I was like that, that was a good death. You know, some of the deaths, um, you know, I, I thought were really good and brutal, you know. Um, uh, I liked the scene where, um, you know, the, the main girl's on the phone and she's looking over in the window and sees the other girl and Michael's behind her. I mean, I thought, okay, that was a good scene, too. Um, and I agree with Justin about, uh, Paul Rudd, by the way. Um, <laughs> and let's see, cause I give him props for going for some of the dialogue he's given, like explaining the cult and everything, all that nonsense. And he does it with a completely straight face. Mm. So props for that, because anytime they bring up Thorn cult and all this for why Michael's doing what he's doing, it's just foolishness. It's just complete foolishness. I'm like, let's move on. I don't care. I don't, the cult means nothing to me. You know, I don't really, I don't care what, see, here's my problem. And this is my problem. Well, one of the many problems with Rob zombie sequels, I don't care why Michael's doing what he's doing. That does not matter to me. Mm. And when you spend so much time trying to explain it, it's boring. So I'm like, let's not, let's not do that. Um, and I actually had taken a few notes uh, for a few things. Like, so Tommy Doyle has decided to live next door to the Myers house. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that would be a lot of bad memories, and I would just want to get away. But, you know, that's, that's him. And I particularly thought it was funny that on the wall, one of the newspaper headlines said, Tommy Doyle survives massacre or something like that. I'm like, I love that they splattered his name across it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what about Lindsay? She don't get any recognition. She survived too. Mm. But uh, whatever. I like um, the fact that um, <laughs> the family are living in the house and, and all of them except the father are unaware that this was the Myers house. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's in part. I mean, that would have been huge town history. I don't know yes. how they would know. I mean, they're Strodes for crying out loud. I know. Um, and like the one guy, you're right. He's written so over the top and mean, like mm. slapping, you know, um, his daughter, I guess. Is that his daughter? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and calling, and calling his grandson a bastard. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's so rude for no reason. I would have grabbed a cup of battery acid and threw it in his face before Michael even got to him. <laughs> but um, oh, and speaking of rude, the nurse at the hospital. All right, so yeah. Paul Rudd runs in with a baby, and he's like, you know, there's been an accident. I need a doctor, and she's like, what kind of accident? And then 
he's he's like you know getting really upset and she's like i'll call security i'm like for all <laughs> she knows this baby could be on the verge of death for all she knows and she's like just being such a bitch I'm like, <laughs> but let's just hope that she was reprimanded on the i hope that she got in big yeah. trouble for that <laughs> i really do yeah she had to come um, back for a rob zombie version ooh, oh my god ooh, that that's torture that's enough harsh. um <laughs> Um, and speaking of the washing machine running with the power out, why did Michael feel it necessary to wash the sheets? Well, she, the body wasn't even in there, was it? No. No, he just decided to wash the bloody sheets. I'm like, why would Michael even do that? Yeah. I mean, that, that well, just makes no sense. I guess the cult told him to. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that there's this uh, uh, big town fair going on and all these people around, and Michael is somehow, without anybody seeing him, strung this guy up in a tree. Yeah. That he's brutally murdered and nobody yeah. noticed it. I want to see a scene of Michael actually like setting up the bodies. I think that would be an interesting moment because you never actually see him, you know, actually like climbing a tree and positioning this body up there like that. And then you have that kid dancing underneath it going, oh, look, it's raining red. It's like, it's raining red. Look, look, I'm sorry, child. You're old enough to know what blood is. Oh, no. I mean, how stupid is that kid? I think that yes, would have that would very been better on the page than it did in, in yeah. reality. Isn't it? She's going, it's warm. <laughs> And she's it's got warm. His blood. God, she <laughs> this warm red wet rain. Yeah. yeah. I think another but, um, problem. Uh, uh, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, I think another problem with this movie is that uh, you know you're in trouble when they try to make the uh, the man in black creepier than Michael Myers. Mm. I just didn't even find the man in black creepy at all. Well, I didn't either, but you I mean, know they were trying. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I think my problem, like I said, my problem with Halloween 6 is it, it's got good death scenes. And I actually liked, like Justin said, it really looks like Halloween. And some of the camera shots were good. But the whole thing is just it's, – it's, it's, it's just like I said, it's a big mess. It's um, – you know, people do things that, I don't know, just seem weird. And like you said, Michael Myers is so odd in this film. It's not the same Michael from part one at all. You well, know, what, nowhere what, near it. Um, well, I don't I, and I hated that. Yeah, I think this was like um, this was like one step short of him just going into space. They might as well just done, they yeah. might as well have just done that and just gotten it over. He's with. the only one who didn't go into space, I think. Or Freddie didn't either. Not yet. Like, hey, if they tell me, okay, look, we want you to write the script for Halloween Six. This is what I'm doing. Bunch mm-hmm. of teenagers know the history of the Myers house. It's abandoned now. They decide they want to go there and just have a party, you know, do drugs and uh, have sex. And Michael shows up and he starts killing them all one by one. That is my idea for Halloween 6, which I think would I actually agree. have been better. Well, they, yes. could have, they could have made that work, couldn't they? Because basically Tommy Doyle said anyone who moves into that house becomes his family, didn't he? Yeah, so and they could easily them. have like played that in like that. And then there you go. There's your, a new story and you're not trying. I think the problem with the script is, uh, is I know one of you guys said this earlier, but it's, they want, they tried way too hard to tie everything together mm. and it just didn't work. But isn't that the, what you described, isn't that pretty much the, um, the, the plot of Halloween eight? Yeah. But the problem is they tried to do the whole, like we're doing a reality show and stuff mm. like that. I mean, that was just silly. And but, they did something at the beginning of Halloween 8 that I will never forgive them for. Mm-hmm. I will not but even speak do, about it. Yes, but that's all um, glossed over with the fabulousness that is Buster Rhymes doing Kung Fu. I yes. would not, and I would have not had him in the film either. <laughs> so that's another thing I would have done. Yeah. One, I actually one thing, like Halloween 8 because it's so bad. Yeah. It's enjoyable. I think it's, 
it's quite entertaining. I mean, one thing that struck me again with this is they they kept Michael Myers. Um, he does still has that slow walk. They've never, but I just thought when he's driving, he drives really fast and aggressively. But if he drove like he walked, he'd be going like five miles an hour, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'd um, be chasing people very slowly if he was very chasing slowly, them cars. Yes. So Justin and um, uh, Joseph, you only watched the producer's cut. You didn't see the theatrical one at all for this podcast. No, not for the podcast. Okay, well, no. Do you know that like the the reshoots involve much more gore? There's much yes. less gore in the producer's cut. You see the the guy who owns the truck at the start. Uh, Michael twists his head around. You can see his spine sticking out. Um, mm. The father's head explodes when he gets electrocuted, and Jamie's death is much gorier. She's impaled on some kind of farm equipment. I don't know what it does, but when yeah. you switch it on, all these things start whizzing around. If I remember um, that, I remember that, especially the exploding head and thinking, yeah. "Wow, that is really bad." I mean, I think when I saw it, and I thought I'd seen probably seen Halloween the original, and I thought when you get to a point where you have an exploding head, and I've got nothing against exploding heads in movies but i don't <laughs> there's really quite think... a sentence i've got nothing against exploding heads <laughs> but i don't think it has a place in a halloween movie no you know um and so i see why they did they what they did and they kind of gored it up although then they had to cut it didn't they to, to not to get an nc-17 yeah because there's a scene in the theatrical in the theatrical or the producers one i can't remember now where it's in the theatrical where uh uh one of the doctors in the hospital at the end has his face pushed through some iron bars right. and it slices it like a like an egg slicer. And you can okay. see all the bits of his head just plopped to the ground in the deleted scenes, but they obviously that was cut out for the... See, I wouldn't mind maybe seeing some kind of compilation of all these death scenes that I missed in the producer's cut, but I just don't have, yeah. I just don't have the, you know, the, the care to go back and watch another version yeah. of this movie. Mm. Yeah, but they seem quite eager to defend the producer's cut, the makers of the film. Although they do admit that there is problems and they would like to have gone back and maybe fixed it slightly, but not totally redone it like um, the Weinsteins did. But I can, you know, in either form, it's 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 a failure in my opinion. I just prefer the theatrical one because, I don't know, I think it, it, it picks up more steam towards the end and it has more of a slasher feel, even if it is not at all in any way a Halloween film. It really, it, it does really stand alone, even more than Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which had the tone of the first two Halloween movies. This one just feels completely different to any other entry in the series. Do you remember the scene at the end, I guess, where they're running and Michael grabs the main girl through the bars? I don't know why, but the way she says her lines right there, I was di- I was laughing so hard because he grabbed her hair and she's like, oh, God. It was like, <laughs> it was almost like she was so angry and annoyed that he did that. <laughs> The bit that always makes me chuckle is um, it's when Kim Darby, who plays uh, Cara Strode's mother, I can't think of her name, Barbara, is it? Or? No, mm. Deborah. Sorry, of course, because they're Deborah and John, the parents. That's right. Um, when she is running away from Michael Myers and she like it has a close of her feet and she runs like a child. She runs like a toddler. Her feet, oh, yeah. are, she, you know, she read really small steps. Yeah, I noticed that too. You know, and I think you uh, were on to something, Eric. It really is like um, for all the franchises, when they kind of got into the 90s, they all seemed to try to do something different, and it was all mm-hmm. failures. Yeah. Like Jason some goes- of the worst ones were the ones that came out in the 90s. Yeah. yeah Jason like the goes to hell. Chainsaw Massacre. Oh. No. And that one didn't try to do anything different. That's why yeah, I like sure. it. Yeah. It's just yeah. another family hacking up people, and that's it. Yeah. So they didn't have a big cult or at the very no. end? Like, yeah, they did. No, because I uh, don't ever watch that part, so it was not there. <laughs> this is the whole um, Alice didn't die in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two all over again. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's true too. If you don't and, watch, and Laurie's it, alive too. Yeah, yep. They're hanging out. 
Okay, well, can I ask you guys, how would you... Okay, we've covered one to six now, obviously, without part three, because it's not slasher. How would you rate them in order? For me, it's quite linear. It's one, two, five, six, and finally four, which I still think is the worst in the entire franchise up until the Rob Zombie remakes, that is. Mine would be one, two, five, four, six. Mm. I'm one, two, five, four, six. I agree with Joseph. I'm probably one, two, four, five, six. Really? You prefer four to five? Yeah. Hmm. I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Eric really hates part four. I really hate part four. <laughs> I, just really think, hates I think it's so boring. And at least Hall- uh, Halloween 6 is stupid, but I, I can I can stick with it till the end. Halloween 4, I just get so bored with. Mm. Mm. No, I, I do I, get I, really bored with four, I have to admit. That's why I like five better, because yeah. I, I don't find five boring. I think it's I think it's a bad movie. But it, I, I at least get more entertainment value yeah. from it than four. Well, what should we should we move on to? Some. Um, well, I just want to I have one question to ask you guys. Yes. What do you think the curse of Michael Myers is? I think it might be cunt. What do you think it is? Just uh-huh. pardon. The curse of Michael Myers. I think it might oh. be cunt. Oh, what 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 kind of curse word you would say? Yeah. Is that um, what it means? That's what the title means, isn't it? Yeah, the title says Halloween thinking, 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. I was thinking it might have been fuck, but then I was thinking, no, cunt, maybe. What, what, fiddlesticks. Oh, Justin. I think you're raspberries. Just, you're so PG, Justin. <laughs> um, um, I have a question for you guys that, uh, that watch the producer's cut, and we're into spoiler territory here, but how is the ending different from the theatrical? Because spoiler alert, you know, with the theatrical, it's like Dr. Loomis saying you know, oh, or I'm going to attend to something, and then you, you hear screaming, and it just kind of yeah. pans to a jack-o'-lantern. What's the ending in the producers? The producers the producer. cut, basically, um, he gets the, the thorn curse passed on to him, to Dr. Loomis, and he in, it ends with him screaming, and Michael Myers uh, has dressed the man in black in his clothes, and he's wearing the man in black clothes. That's what I got out of it anyway. Okay, well, what happens is... At the end, Paul Rudd stops Michael Myers by placing all these runes in a circle. And when Michael steps into the circle, he's sort of kind of frozen. Uh, and that's kind of seen as, oh, he's finally stopped, blah, blah, blah. But then it cuts back to Loomis goes back into the, to see where Michael Myers is. And it's, it's Dr. Wynn dressed up in the Michael Myers costume. And yeah, as you say, he passes the curse on and you see Loomis pulls his sleeve down. You see the thorn symbol sort of gradually appear on his wrist and he starts screaming with his pathetic scream. Um, that sounds kind of dumb. It is really dumb and it's really, really, really dumb, which, is, which makes me wonder why the, why the makers of the film are so eager to sort of uh, defend their producer's cut because it's just so fucking stupid. I thought the ending to the theatrical was stupid. Uh, that, that's actually better than the yeah, ending to the producer's cut. Because at the end of the theatrical one, they, the, the finale is, is in a this kind of high-tech lab with all these fetuses and jars, um, and it involves um, uh, Paul Rudd's character hitting Michael Myers over the head with a pipe and all this green goo flying out of the mask and, and stuff. And it's, it is stupid, but it's not as stupid as placing some runes in a circle and having Michael Myer, Myers sort of frozen in time. Hmm. Wow. The, do you want to hear the scream? The pathetic yes. scream. Here we go. <laughs> I don't think he's giving birth. Mm. I have to say, it's just, it's really sad, you know, because I watched one again not too long ago. And just re- watching this after watching one, it's just, it's so sad. Like, it is. It's such a drop. to this? We're going to see the, the first one at the theater on Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah, I still yeah. want to go see that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because this this was Donald Pleasance's last film. Although he, he, I assume he was filming it sort of concurrently with Fatal Frames, which, which I is think much better, a much better swan song to have. Yeah, again, yes. both films have to use stand-ins because they had reshoots after he died. Um, yeah, Fatal Frames. I'd like to think of as a swan song. I also have to say I agree with you about uh, Donald Pleasance. I mean, I think he was really important in one and two, but mm. he's just he wasn't important. Like I, I really think you could have taken him out of the rest of the sequels and you wouldn't yeah. have missed a beat. Not at all. Yeah. I don't think he was needed. You no. Know, and, 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 and like you said, I, I don't mean that as an insult to, to the character, to the actor whatsoever, but it's just, it's like they didn't find a really good reason to keep him in the series. Cause he just does the same thing in every movie. Yeah. He's like, most they inef- don't change him most, up at all. Yeah. He's the most ineffectual horror hero in quotes in any series. Cause he, he never succeeds. Hmm. Mm. That's true. He doesn't. <laughs> well, he kind of does until they just rewrite the next movie to mm, yeah. shoehorn it, shoehorn him in for some reason. Well, true. that's like Friday the Thirteenth, though. Everybody seems to succeed at the end, and then yeah, <laughs> he's back. Mm. Right. Okay. Well, okay. Sorry, Eric. Carry on. I was going to say, well, we're getting into some background thing on that. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Should we? Do you want to? Do you go around the table, that? Nathan? Do you have anything? Uh, God, the only thing I have is I actually met the Daniel Farrens that wrote it, and I remember a story about him being upset at all the changes they were making to his script, and at some point, they actually pulled him aside and said they were going to make him leave the set if he didn't stop. And I have to admit, as a uh, you know, as a writer, um, it, it must suck to to be on set and watch them make so many changes to the script, and you still having your name on it. Mm. So, I mean, that's really all I got. But I could see why he would be frustrated. Yeah, that's basically what he told me when we were at the uh, the California Pizza Kitchen. He's like, basically, you know, his original vision is like barely in the film, and they just yeah. changed everything he wrote about, you know, his ideas. Well, apparently, even the producer Scott, I think, is is not his original vision either. Uh, no, no, changed. he said that yeah. too. Do you have anything, um, Joseph? Anything else? Just, just that that we met him and we hung out with him, and he told us a little bit about it. Yeah. Justin, basically, Justin, you interviewed him last year, didn't you? For um, was it Daniel Farron? Oh, it was for for the Friday the Thirteenth documentary, was it? I, I interviewed him. Oh, him you interviewed Tommy, him, yeah. Tommy Tommy Houston. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he seemed to have come good anyway since his Halloween Six experience. Oh, um, I also had that they actually originally wanted uh, the same Tommy Doyle from the first Halloween, but I mean he didn't have an agent, so they couldn't find him. Yeah, I think that what they were hoping maybe to get him in his cameo in the in the bus station. I think is what he says on the commentary track. But yeah, as you said, they couldn't locate mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Justin, do you have any background for us? Um, I've got a bit. Yes, yeah. I'm sure you've got quite a lot. There. I do uh, have a bit, yeah. Yes. Well, I was going to say, I was talking about Daniel Harris um, wasn't happy with the script because obviously uh, she'd, she'd you know, had been a concurrent ca- character through four and five uh, and she didn't like the idea of being killed off because that's one of the other differences in the producer's cut and the theatrical cut is in the theatrical cut, obviously, um, uh, Jamie Lloyd dies um, very gorily but in the producer's cut, uh, she's still alive halfway through the movie, isn't she? Yeah. Um, and she doesn't... Um, I don't even remember her getting shot in the producer's cut, but I'm sure I read that. She does. She does get she shot, does. yeah. She's in hospital okay. and there's an assassin comes in with a gun and shoots her in the head. I must have missed that bit. 
but anyway, yeah, but she, uh, Danielle Harris, because apparently she asked for $5,000 to appear in it, which doesn't sound very much. Um, and they turned her down. So, uh, but then, um, the, you know, these slasher sequels have got a history of being quite cheap, haven't they? Because they, they didn't want to fly out Betsy Palmer, did they, to, uh, to, do, mm. to, um, to be in Friday 13th Part 2 properly? Um, or no, which one was it? No, it's actually Freddy vs. Jason. Freddy vs. Jason, wasn't it? Yeah, which was which is a massive budgeted film, mm. and they couldn't even be bothered to do that. And it some, sometimes shows you the cynicism behind the uh, the people, not people necessarily who make the films, but the people who kind of green light what's spent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she wasn't in that, which is a shame. Say so Paul Rudd was in Clueless, wasn't he, the same year? Um, mm. And I think he filmed um, this before Clueless because I think this was filmed. I think, um, from what I could tell, this was filmed late 1994. Yes, in October um, 1994, and then reshoots were done in July and August of 95. Right, okay. And was it done, was it Salt Lake City again? Uh, that's where I the other sequels were. Yeah, I didn't look that up, actually, yeah. I think, from what I could tell, when I looked at Variety, they 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 were. So Yeah, um, it was somewhere snowy anyway, because they had really bad snow in October 94, uh, that they had, okay. they had to get heaters in to get rid of to make it look like Halloween. Right, okay. Um, apparently, I don't know how true this is, but Peter Jackson was asked to direct the film. Um, seems a bit unlikely. When when did well bad this taste this come would out? have been this would have been when he was in his horror phase. He would have done Bad Taste, yeah, Meet okay. the Feebles, oh maybe maybe Brain Dead. So yeah, it would have been just before the same year as Heavenly Creatures, which was kind of his breakout into more serious. I guess, but it's kind yeah. of would he want to go? Unless he's a massive fan of the Halloween films, which he, he may could be. be, could be, yeah, he could have been. Um, I'll, I'll hand this over to you, Eric, because I've got a few more mm. bits. But again, Howard Stern was offered the the role as the radio shock jock Barry yeah. Sims, but turned it down, uh, possibly because he he has to bleed all over a little girl in a angel costume. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, Eric, what about you? Okay, well, um, uh, well, let's see where let's start. Uh, yeah, the scriptwriter Daniel Farrens, who we were talking about there, he was only twenty five. Uh, when uh, he wrote the script for this. Uh, the filming started within seven days of being greenlit, so it wasn't exactly a ton of pre-production, and I think it kind of shows in the film. Um, he actually met... Uh, Daniel Farrance met the Halloween 5 producer, Ramsey Thomas, uh, who introduced him to Mustafa Akkad back uh, just after they'd made Halloween 5. Uh, and at that stage, they were planning to do part six almost immediately, but again, it got stuck in a, in a kind of a legal limbo. There was a bidding war between... New Line and Mirama, uh, sorry, Dimension Pictures and Dimension One, of course. Um, but they'd remember, uh, must have had to remember Daniel Farrance and brought him on board to do the Halloween 6 script. Um, I was reading a Fangoria article from October 1995, which was on the set report from Halloween 6. And uh, as I was saying earlier, they were, they were very uh, proud of what they were doing and very negative towards part five. Daniel Farrance says, uh, a part six of anything is rough, but coming six years after a very bad part five, I was well aware that I had to come up with something really good to save the series. Uh, and director Joe Chappelle says, the good thing is that expectations for this movie are not going to be very high. People are going to expect the worst. And after part five, it can only get better. And Donald Pleasance even chimes in and says, the first one is still the best. I thought two also had its share of moments. Part four seemed to get things back on track. But five, it was just rubbish. Um, so very harsh towards five, which um, didn't really um, charm me, I have to say, because I'm a fan of part five. Uh, 
The Miramax team had a very heavy presence on set, as you can imagine. They had, uh, but they'd had budget problems that year because they were also financing uh, Hellraiser Bloodline, which is another one of those 90 sequels that tried to do something stupid and different. Um, and it fell flat in its face. It ended up being one of the famous Alan Smithy films. Uh, so they're anxious to make sure Halloween 6 stayed on the straight and narrow, which is why I think they tried to pull away from the Rune storyline and make it more of a straight head slasher. Um, famously, Scott Spiegel, who directed Intruder, came close to directing a Halloween 6 of some kind. Quentin Tarantino was going to be the producer. Uh, this was, um, I think this is possibly even before Reservoir Dogs came out. Mustafa Akkad had read the spec scripts for Natural Born Killers and True Romance shortly after they'd finished part five. Uh, but of course, then the series went into limbo. And by the time it came out of limbo in March 94, I think it was, uh, when Miramax acquired the rights, uh, you know, Tarantino had moved on to Pulp Fiction and was going through the stratosphere. So uh, I still, you know, I'm, Justin, you mentioned this when we were ever, we bring up the topic of Death Proof, where Tarantino was saying, this is going to be my slasher movie. And mm. you were bitterly disappointed when it didn't turn out to be that way. I still think he could make a really, if you quote, if you pardon the pun, a killer uh, slasher movie if you tried. I'd love to see Tarantino take on a Halloween sequel or a Friday the 13th sequel. I'm sure, I, I'm confident it would be really good. Yeah, no, I think it, I think it would. It's, he seems to, I, I think he may be a bit up himself at the moment, so mm, yeah. he's just kind of making award-winning westerns, isn't he? Which yeah. I think is kind of only going to lead him down a road to, uh, well, yeah. becoming a serious filmmaker and we know how dull that can be. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's this, by the time um uh, March 94 came around Spiegel again was approached about maybe directing but they didn't want him to write the script they already had a script in place um, but eventually Spiegel was dropped and he admitted later that he was relieved he was because he just didn't like the script that they were going to go ahead with um, Donald Pleasance died in February the 2nd 1995 age 75 which was about six months before their re the reshoots were done, which were done, as I said, in late July, early August of 95, which is less than two months before the film had its theatrical release in the States, which was September the 29th. So, I mean, they really were working down to the wire. Um, some of the... I was reading some of the Fangoria um, correspondence uh, from... Uh, readers after they'd seen the film uh, you know none of them had anything positive to say things like one of the worst horror sequels in recent memory what the hell were they thinking of when they wrote this movie i refuse to believe that michael myers is now a hitman for some lame ass cult uh, i'm especially angry at the self-titled quintessential halloween fan and scripter daniel farrens after singing his own praises in fangoria one uh, issue 147 and trashing halloween 5 which wasn't bad at all i can't believe what a mishmash he wrote so there wasn't actually one positive letter they got for Halloween 6 at the time. Um, Daniel Farrens originally wanted Christopher Lee to play Dr. Wynn. Now, I didn't realise until I was watching the extra features that Dr. Wynn is a character taken from part one. He's the one who walks out with, with Dr. Loomis from the clinic saying, you know, he couldn't have got very far, he can't even drive a car. Um, and Loomis says maybe somebody was giving him lessons. And mm -hmm. Daniel Farrens says that uh, you know, what got him thinking there was maybe it was Dr. Wynn was giving him lessons now to drive because he's sort of controlling Michael Myers because he's part of this cult. So that's why there's an airplane in the background. Um, thumbs down. <laughs> no, I meant thumbs down to the Dr. Wynn thing. I don't like yeah. that they took a bit character like that. And I know. Tried to make him some big cultist. Yeah. Yeah, but apparently they wanted Christopher Lee to play him in Halloween 6. But, of course, he was approached to play Loomis, wasn't he, in Halloween 1 as well, and turned it down. Um, but anyway, it opened September 29th, 1995. Uh, it made 
uh, just over 15 million at the box office. It charged at number two, which isn't too bad at all. Uh, the number one film that weekend was uh, David Fincher's Seven. But uh, by the time Halloween 95 rolled around, the film was long gone from the box office top 10. So, um, yeah, I think that said it all. It, I think it's, it survived maybe two weeks in the, in the box office top 10. I, I assume word of mouth got out that it was a bit of a stinker. So, um, and just going back to the Danielle Harris thing, Danielle Harris said she was willing to work, I think, for a low-ish scale. As I said, she was just looking for 5,000. And the reason she was looking for even that much was she was 17 at the time and they needed an over 18, they needed an adult to play the role because I think it's, you have restricted working hours if you're under 18. So she had to go to court and get herself emancipated, which cost several thousand dollars to get done. And she did that. And then she went back and said, okay, I can work as an adult now, blah, blah, blah. And they were saying, oh yeah, we're only going to pay you $1,000 when she'd already paid, I think 3,000 in court costs to get this sort of legal thing out of the way. So she said she was just, she was really insulted by that. And that's why she didn't do it. She, she could have done it if she was willing to be paid a pittance, but I think she was right in the end not to. Yeah. Good for her. Mm. Okay. That's all I have on, on Halloween 6. Okay. Well, the, the only other thing I, I, I remembered was it said that Fred Walton, who directed When a Stranger Calls, was up for directing as well. Mm. But I think this probably went through so many... It's a bit like Freddy versus Jason, didn't it? it that went through development hell for yeah. years, isn't it? And I imagine the same with this. So um, there are probably lots of people attached to it at some point. But uh, but yes, well, there you go. That is Halloween 6. And this time next it's... year, we'll be on to Halloween water, probably. Yes, <laughs> Halloween water. I love yeah. that. Yeah. What's it's funny a... to me, though, is, is like you said, uh, these movies go through so much hell and then they finally get released and they're really not that good. Mm. Mm. I yeah, guess I they must... the hype is better than you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, like it, it's still. I mean, who knows? I mean, where next for the Halloween franchise? Because it, it's it's only a matter of um, when rather than if uh, a new film comes out, isn't it? Yeah, My thing so. would be if they're going to redo the Halloween series, they should basically hire a competent writer, a competent director, and just re- retool the whole series, get rid of the Strode family, and just start fresh. Mm-hmm. I agree, actually. I think it's just become such a mess by now that, yes, it just needs to be completely reinvented or just kill it and let's make a new franchise. Yeah, there you go. Eric, you get huge props, absolute huge props for sitting through those two Rob Zombie (laughs) atrocities. Yeah. So, so, he did it, so we don't have to. And he watched the unrated ones, which are like he watched four hours of Rob Zombie Halloween nonsense. So okay. just, how bad were hmm? they? How bad were they? They were, were they... absolutely awful. Do you know what? There was maybe five minutes in the middle of Rob Zombie's first Halloween movie where I was like, okay, this this bit is okay. It was the girls all interacting with each other. They weren't swearing. They weren't being like um, trailer trash. They were just having a bit of a laugh, especially with the sort of the younger people. They were babysitting. I thought this is okay. like if he'd done this sort of and then use that as his basis but then like it just goes back to people swearing and uh i don't know it's just awful has there ever been a heroine as annoying or as as annoying as uh laurie in the remakes i don't think so i really don't know i mean just the way she treats people especially in part two and i you know like we said before i get it you know she's damaged whatever but Mm. it's not entertaining to watch somebody be a complete you know mean person to other people Mm-hmm. Here's the quest. Here's the million dollar question. Um, since we're covering these films, are we actually going to cover the Rob Zombie versions when it comes down to it? That'll well, be thanks. in three years' time. I don't know if we'll 
yeah. be able to. Three years may be too soon for Eric to sit through them again. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. I'd I mean, say yeah, hundred years would be too soon for me. Yeah. You see, if I buy it, if I bought the box set, and when I buy a Blu-ray, I have to watch it. I really didn't want to watch these, and I thought, okay, maybe they can't be as bad as I remember, but they were even worse. Particularly Halloween Two mm. was possibly one of the worst films I've ever seen. And it was Let's two look, hours long. Oh. Just, just think of it like this, Eric. You own the two Rob Zombie movies. I know. I've put money into his pocket. And I hate myself for that. <laughs> oh, do you want, who wants, speaking of hating myself, who wants to hear my joke of the week? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Okay, what is the hottest horror film ever made? John Carpenter's Halloween. Oh. Halloween. Hello what? Jalapeno. Halloween. Oh. <laughs> Nathan liked this. Oh Once I got it, was, that joke was so dumb, it was funny. <laughs> I quite liked it, but I didn't get it to start off with. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I have a joke of the week. My flatmate begged oh. me not to, not to use that joke. I said, no, everyone's going to love it. And she's like, no, please don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. I have a joke of the week. (laughs) Okay. What is it, Joseph? Who just made the worst joke ever? Justin Kurzweil? Yes. (laughs) In all honesty, I think that's one of Eric's best. Thank you, Nate. Once I got it, like, I thought that was one of his better ones. Because at first I thought you were saying Halavino, like Aveno. And I'm like, I don't think that's really... Jalapeno. Yeah. John yes. Carpenter's Hall- <laughs> Jalapeno 3, Season of the Witch. I, I thought know. you said Halloween. I was thinking. Oh, no. See, Justin would have thought that was funny because he's, yeah. he's a wino. He is. I'm, not, I'm sitting here drinking water. Oh, yeah. Is it laced with, uh, with wine, elderberry wine? No, it's laced with water. <laughs> so I've been very good. Thank you very much. So, no, thank you, Eric. That was, uh, that was your, your improving. Thank you. Thank you no, very much. I think that was a step down from his last one. Mm. Well, I think you need to work on the delivery. Do the delivery is smooth for... like water from a fountain. That's why <laughs> I can move any mountain. Do you have a good one for the last horror film? Um, I can't remember if I do or not. I'd have to look at my notes. Okay. Mm. Well, before we, because that's what we're going to be coming up in three weeks' time, but we've got some feedback, haven't we? Yes, so before we, we get do. to that. Um, here is the contact details about how to reach the show. Be sure to search for and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at THC underscore podcast. Our voicemail is 858-233-9281. And you can email us directly at the.hysteria.continues at gmail.com. And welcome back. And before we get onto feedback, um, we've... Uh, both Nathan and um, Eric have been to haunted houses. So as it's the Halloween episode, um, Nathan, wh- wh- where did you go and what did you do? Um, where I live, uh, there's a place called Ruby Falls, and it's the Ruby Falls Haunted Caverns, like underground cave. And you go down there. Actually, Joseph recommended it. And, you know, it, it was actually really good. You know, lots of – I mean, I jumped so many times. I didn't scream, but I did jump a lot. See, Wes won't go to them with me. You know, because he hates being scared. He don't like it. It makes him mad. So, you know, he he won't go to a haunted house. But um, I went with some friends and, you know, I mean, it was a lot of fun. The woman in the very front of us, um, she got scared so many times. I think she was almost a hysterical wreck by the time it was over. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. My favorites are always the chainsaw guys because they just pop up out of nowhere. 
What about what about you, Eric? You've been to yeah. Something. We went to I, a gang of us from work went to one called Damnation, which is held in a, a venue kind of like maybe the O2 Arena. They just have it all set up in, into different rooms and things. Uh, I'd never been to a haunted house before because they're not really as prevalent over here. But uh, it was really really effective. You just um, you just sort of brought through different rooms. Uh, one room was was really good. It was a child's uh, bedroom, and you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen here? Then the ward. Hello, Stripes. Then the wardrobe <laughs> slightly creeps open and you're like, oh, something's going to jump out of the wardrobe. But then this woman who looks just like a sort of an adult version of Linda Blair and The Exorcist jumps out from under the duvet screaming, help me, help me or something. And it's, it just gets a fright of your life. And, you know, there was, four, there was four of us in it. And uh, all I think all of us were like we were laughing, but also we were quite it was scary and suspenseful. And there's tons of tension. There was one bit where you have to crawl through these really dark tunnels. Uh, and it's really claustrophobic. It was kind of a maze. And when you get Did you scream? Oh. No, I didn't scream, but when you get out the other side, it's like, oh, that's a bit of relief. And you walk up this dark corridor and all these legs start, all these hands come out of the walls and start grabbing you. It must be like uh, a normal Friday night for you, Eric. Yeah, it was, yeah. Down the cockpit. Down the cockpit, yeah. yeah. Going around exploring dark tunnels. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Getting my ass grabbed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have um, to sign, the, do you have the, to sign last, a waiver? the last room you go into, they take they take your picture like they do on you know on roller coasters, yeah. where they take a picture of you and then to try and sell it to you at the end. They you go into this very dark room and a strobe flashes on for a split second, and there's this really scary guy, st- you know, literally standing two feet in front of your face, and they get your reaction instantly. Mm. So we got some great pictures. Uh, unfortunately, I'm kind of obscured. Well, maybe fortunately, but my co- my <laughs> friend Carl, he has the best expression on his face. Yeah, real horror film scream queen expression. Wow. <laughs> But do you have to sign a waiver when you go in, in case you drop dead? No, no. But they didn't either. They did tell us before we went in that there are chicken exits if you want, if you find it too much. But they said, be careful, because some of them lead you to something worse. So, Oh, really? Okay. Okay. But no, I found it really, really effective and great fun. I mean, it was like sex with Justin. It was over quite quickly. But I've I've used that joke before. I know, Justin. I'm sorry. Um. But it was great fun. And then we went drinking afterwards, which was even more fun. Well, well that would be more Justin's thing, too. Yeah. And then, I woke, then I woke up with a hangover and I was like, oh, no, I have to do the podcast. I've got this really bad hangover. Then Justin rang and or emailed us and said he'd hurt his ribs. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, you were excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> and the one I went to, there was like a giant um, sink looking area. And, you know, you walk by and it's it just set up. And I, I mean, there was nobody in the room. So we thought, you know, whatever. And the two people in front of me walked on and I was starting to pass it. And right when I passed it, it just exploded and like drenched me in water. Cool. I mean, I was like dripping wet coming out of that haunted house because of that sink. You sure it's water? <laughs> you know, I was trying to be as specific as possible because I knew that you guys could turn that into an innuendo. I, and the, I was trying to say, yeah, <laughs> on the one I was on, you're, you you have to watch a short video clip at the start to sort of set up the the haunted house. And I, I noticed there was a clip of Suspiria in there, and I was wondering, hmm, I wonder if they've paid for the rights for that. Mm. I, I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't squeal on them though. Well, especially as you've been um, watching Oculus. Yeah, la 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys heard of that extreme haunted house that it's going around Facebook right now? It's yes. called McCamey Manor. Mm. I watched a like a little tour through that place. There's no way I would ever go in this place. It was like the people that go through, like they can grab you. Like one girl, they were pulling her hair, 
And at one time they tied the people up going through there with tape and like wrap tape around their mouths and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, uh, that's not for me. I, I don't like that kind of haunted house. Yeah, it's it's not really scary. It's more like a torture thing. Torture, can, yeah. That you have to sign a waiver that you allow them to let you know make you puke, to allow them to kind of like tape you up and basically torture you for a few hours. And that wouldn't really scare me. It just annoy the hell out of me. So yeah, yeah. it's very odd, very odd. But um, what about you, Joseph? You've been to any this year or? Uh, no, I'm probably going to go to the the Ruby Falls again this week sometime. Mm. Um, I really enjoy that one. It's not really, it's not that it's scary. It's just kind of claustrophobic, which is kind of interesting. Mm. Um, basically, I mean, I've been, I've been to a couple just to give flyers for our movie, but I haven't actually gone through any this year yet. But I, I at least want to do one or two before Halloween is over. Cool. I got singled out there, unfortunately, because they were talking about wanting to cut somebody's head off. And out of everybody in my group, they chose me. They wanted to cut my head off, and it's probably because I got a giant freak head like Elaine. <laughs> like, because my head's too big for my body, and I've been told this before. So, I mean, I think they picked mine out because my head's so big. That bird flew really right into your head. <laughs> like you couldn't avoid it. I'm a walking candy apple. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that bombshell, yeah. um, should we move on to some feedback? Yes. Or did we want to? What are we doing? Are feedback we, or the sur- horror movie thing? The survive yeah. a horror movie is that part of the feedback? Yeah, it this is. is kind of feedback. Basically, yeah. we we sent out a message on Facebook asking our listeners, all two of you, um, who who of the four of us would survive the longest in a in a slasher film? Me. Um, the general so. consensus is that yeah. I would survive the longest. <sighs> According to these these letters, I had three points, and the rest of you had two points. Is that because I'd be too busy having sex because I'm so sexy? I think it's because you're the jokester, Eric. Oh. Maybe, but here's some of the reasons why either either Nathan would survive the longest or Eric would survive the longest. Um, this one comes from Brad Yasuda, and he says, "You guys are going to go what the fuck with this one? Nathan lives the longest. He's the most innocent in quotation marks of the group." Joseph goes first. Reason, all of the things he says he's done on the podcast. Um, I don't know what that means, but uh-huh. uh, it says Justin is the killer. Reason, he accidentally eats a piece of jerky and snaps. <laughs> Eric is the final girl. Reason, yeah. Hi. Reason Inga. Oh, okay. Fair yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brad. Although, <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite sure I agree okay. with your reasoning. but uh... <laughs> This is from Justin White. He says, so I've been giving some thought to the question of who would survive a slasher movie the longest, and here's what I've come up with. In this hypothetical situation, all four hosts have met up in person for the first time to record an episode, probably in a big house in the woods. I'm thinking, er, I'm thinking that early on, Eric would get offended by Justin's constant Toya jokes and storm off, making him easy pickings and the first to die. After a, after a while, Justin would start to feel bad and go off to find Eric, only he is three bottles of wine in and drunkenly disappears into the night. Nathan and Joseph wait in the house, and soon the power goes out. Nathan goes to investigate, and while he is gone, Joseph is attacked by our masked killer. After an extended chase scene, during which Joseph discovers the bodies of Eric and Nathan, I guess I survived that attack, the killer is revealed to be, twist, Justin in a Susie mask. Joseph runs, into a, Joseph runs into a nearby cemetery and starts to play some Bauhaus to lure Justin in, who thinks there is a goth graveyard party happening. After a climactic fight, Justin falls into an open grave and Joseph pushes a heavy tombstone onto him. Joseph defeats the killer and is the final survivor, 
Only in the last shot we see Justin's eye, covered, of course, in black eyeliner, open, setting the stage for the inevitable sequel. What do you guys think? I tried to work in the cat flushing a toilet, but I couldn't figure out how. Maybe in part two. Love the show, and I'm glad the top threes are coming back. <laughs> That's brilliant. I like that movie. That I only see good. one so flaw. I can see that working. There's only one flaw in it, though, mm. because I am a ginormous chicken, and if the power goes out, I'm not going to investigate. <laughs> I'm going to hide in a corner weeping. <laughs> well, well do, you, do you approve of, of the depiction of you, Justin, in that picture? Well, yes, I think that's fairly apt, because yeah. I, I can imagine you storming off if I kind of make too many cracks about Toya. Yeah, and I didn't believe you feeling guilty afterwards and coming after me. No, no. Yeah, but then it turns out you're the killer, so it all makes sense. Yes, well, yeah, exactly, yeah. we got a couple more here. This is from a... Hold on a minute, hold on on one minute. How would I kill Eric if I... Before I went to go out looking for him? It's Mm. when you went out looking for him, you killed him. Then I found him. Yeah. And I pretended to say, say I'm really sorry, Toy is actually fantastic, and you went okay, and then I chopped your head off. Yeah. Or something. At least you got him to admit Toy was fantastic before I he know. killed you, Eric. Exactly. Yeah, but that was, a, that was a plot ploy, wasn't it? I wasn't telling the truth. <laughs> I was lulling him into a full sense of security. Just like you're lulled by the sound of Bauhaus coming from the barn. Exactly. So murderous. <laughs> right. Well, that was a good one as well. So, have we got any more, or is that the, the We've got two? a couple more. This, okay. is, um, this is from Creep Creeperson, who says, As far as who would live the longest in a slasher, that's really hard. No pun. No jokes, guys. I can hold see on, you all having before. your... Let me... Go ahead, Justin. I think I've got all I want from you, madam. Thank you. You think so? Well, perhaps there are a couple of points I'd like to go over with you later. <laughs> so, carry on. He says, um, I can see you all having your slasher trope faults. The sleeper, the drinker, the prankster, the trashy. I'll let you guys figure out who is who. Um, but let's overthink this a bit. I think Eric could make it through a film, but he yeah. would most likely then be killed mid-act two in the sequel. Um. And if Justin didn't make it through the film, I think his book sales would suffer. <laughs> and as far as which one of you would be a killer, I can see a slasher motive for each of you. If I had to pick, though, I guess it would be Joseph. His motive, his motive would be you guys waking him up too early to do the podcast and him snapping. That was from Creep Creeperson. Well, thank you, Mr. Creeperson. And who is, of course, is the, um, the mastermind behind the Jalo Chow Chow podcast. So yep. um, thank you. And I can see because, yeah, do you think it, one day we might phone you up too early and you snap, Joseph? Well, we've been doing this for three years at the same time. So I think I'm a little used to it now. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. But, uh, I think we have yeah. uh, three more. Um, this says, uh, I'm, this is from Ara, A-R-A, I guess it's Ara. It says, I'm afraid I can only see this playing out one way. Early on, the troubled Eric approaches the hot-headed Joseph outside of a secluded halfway house for troubled podcast host. Whoa. Yeah. Sorry, that cat just went crazy for no reason. <laughs> okay, basically, Eric, you, you approached me outside of a... I don't know what's going on. I really don't. A secluded halfway house for troubled podcast hosts, and you <laughs> offered me a bite of your chunky Kit Kat bar. Joseph, who had inexplicably been trusted with an axe, snaps and murders poor Eric in a fit of rage. Wow. Joseph is incarcerated, but somehow the body count continues, and the hysteria lives. One by one, various troubled podcast hosts are murdered by a masked assailant, including the fiery goth, Justin, whose private dance session is rudely interrupted by a poke below the belt, matron. <laughs> 
and Ethel's son, Nathan, who is decapitated, <laughs> decapitated by a meat cleaver while riding his motorcycle around in circles and screaming obscenities. What? Eventually, <laughs> that is I'm you. junior? I'm that junior? Is, yeah. yeah. Well, somebody had to say it, Nathan. I'm sorry. I thought he was going to say Ethel Janowski's son from Crazy Fat Ethel. I was going to be flattered. <laughs> but you love Junior. I like Ethel better. <laughs> he goes on to say, or she goes on to say, I'm not sure if it's a guy or a girl. Eventually, the killer is thwarted by a child, a 63-year-old woman, a mentally handicapped man, and is revealed to be Toya, who snapped after seeing the murdered body of her only fan, Eric. <laughs> hey, her only fan. That's not fair. <laughs> I suppose this would mean that Joseph would survive the longest by default as he rots away in a padded cell for the remainder of his days. I suppose this would also mean Joseph would be the most likely to be a killer in a slasher movie, though I can just as easily see Inga being pushed too far. Tread lightly, Justin. That's all for now. Your pal from the City of Angels, Ara. All right. Well, thank you, Ara. That's another great one. We have very talented listeners, don't we? Yes. Yes. Uh, We got two more, I think. Um... As far as who would survive the longest in a slash, I think maybe Justin. I picture Justin being just stopping in the middle of the chase and turning around to whomever it is, whether it be Jason, Leatherface, Freddy, and simply saying, oh, Leatherface, or oh, Freddy, the same way he does with the rest of you. <laughs> I picture whomever the stalker is just to get a confused look on their face and turn back around and leave. As far as who is the most likely to be a killer, I would say Eric, because he is always getting bullied. And that's from yeah. Mike, Al- Mike Alishan. I agree. I think Eric's most likely out of us to be the killer. The one to snap. Yes. Well, do you blame me? (laughs) Wait a minute, though. If Eric's the killer, I think I'm more likely to survive his rampage. I've bullied him much, much less. Yes. You can be the final girl, Nathan. Yeah, the final girl. You can try and talk him down. Yes, Eric. I am your mother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a mix between friday 13th and star wars yeah it is yeah. <laughs> eric would be like no you could put on a, could put on a lumber, lumberjack shirt couldn't you and then, um, what you know what i would i'd bring along some toya albums and some chunky kit cats yeah you could that put on a toya work. t-shirt couldn't you and say i'm i am toya yes i would, would i would work. dress as toya and i would bring him chunky kit cats mm. yes that would that, work and then you hit him with a big chopper. <laughs> oh, Justin, you're so rude. What? That's what happens at the end of Friday 13th Part 2, as we both know. Yeah. So, no, that was another good one. <laughs> we have one more. One more, okay. Yeah, this is from David Molay, a.k.a. BTK. He says... <laughs> did you hear that? Did you, did you hear Nathan sigh? He scoffed. No, I wasn't doing it. I was like, oh, because I know he's going to come up with something crazy. Uh, He says, the hysteria continues cast in a slasher movie. Joseph tries desperately to get laid by some very homely woman. He masturbates alone in the dark while watching The Night Before Easter. A killer in a bunny outfit, probably the bunny man killer, cuts his man junk off and sticks it up his bum. He dies. God, Joseph. Justin tucks his winkle behind his legs and dances to a gothic version of Goodbye Horses in a Graveyard. He calls his dance something elaborate. The killer dresses up like the publishers of his book and says the name should be something simple like the Duck Tuck Dance. The killer kills Justin with a buzzsaw-shaped Susie and the Banshees record. I can, Eric, a, I can think of worse ways to go. 
<laughs> Eric offers the killer a chunky Kit Kat, and he kills Eric with an axe. I wouldn't a be toy- offering anyone a chunky Kit Kat. No, that's his. Yeah. He's selfish. <laughs> a Toya poster covers his chocolate-smeared face. He joins Bob Hoskins in Bear Heaven. Oh, oh. Well, that's some, it's some a sweet comforts. ending. Yeah. Nathan is arrested by the police for the murders, though he pleads he is innocent. As he is forced to watch bloody murder day in and day out for the rest of his days, <gasps> Trevor, Trevor Morehouse jumps out of the woods and aims his chainsaw, which isn't on, at the audience before we cut to black. After the credits, the killer is actually some ass hat fuck ass reviewer from Dread Central. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. It was Joseph Tan fucking with time travel. No, really, it was just Skype fucking up and it sounded like you were murdered on the podcast. You all live gaily ever after. You're welcome. Even Fuck Joseph? Off. Yeah, it says, you're welcome. Fuck off. Love, BTK. Oh, thank you, BTK. Yeah. And we're actually talking of Skype. We've actually been pretty lucky for the last few times, yeah. haven't we? Yes. Mm. So, well, thank you for everyone who wrote in with those, because that was really good fun, weren't they? Now, did everybody survive in one scenario? Uh, Is there anybody that died in every one? <laughs> uh, yes, we all died in one of them. I just don't remember which one it was. We can oh, go yeah. back. Okay, look. so none of us actually survived every one of them. Yeah. Well, that was that was splendid. So thank you. We'll, we'll come up for, with another uh, listener kind of thing like that at some point, won't we? So um, yes, let's well, call that segment the listener thing. The listener yeah. thing. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's. We've got some feedback. We'll spread yeah. some of it over for next time. But um, I've got a couple here, and Eric, you've got a couple, haven't you? I do. And Joseph and Nathan, you don't have any, do you? Well, we're I lost mine, but I'll, I'll get it for next time. Okay. Yeah, we're saving for time. Okay, well, shall I go first? I'll read the first one. It's quite a short yeah. one. It's from Becky. Um, she says, hi, boys. Thought I'd send some feedback because you keep complaining that you're not getting enough these days. That's what uh, Eric uh. says. Um, I don't get a chance to watch many movies right now as I have a 10-month-old daughter who may be your youngest listener. So hello to Becky's baby. Um, but one I did finally get to see recently was the last horror film, funnily enough. So I was really glad you would be reviewing it. <laughs> I don't know what you guys think yet, but I found, out, found it to be an absolutely smashing little 80s oddity with more charm than you'd expect from a film about murder and stalking. Super cheesy, but adorable nonetheless. I hope you guys liked it. Um, well, as we're going to be talking in detail about it next, uh, next time, um, we won't go into much detail about it now, but... Uh, well, a preview. Do we? Did uh, you guys enjoy the film? Just a, a one-word answer: yes, no. The last horror film. Yeah. Yes. 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 Nathan? Joseph. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. You have to tune in next time to find out uh, what more. We, if we liked it, um, I'd say I with reservations. Work. Yes, with okay. reservations. Yes. Right. There we go. Right. Um, Becky also says. Also, in the last podcast, you asked if anyone would be interested in hearing you cover any more Jali. Well, I definitely would like that. I'd love to hear your, you cover things like Short Night of the Glass Dolls with Jean Sorel and Barbara Back, or the beautiful and unusual Le Orme with another genre darling, Florinda Balkan, which was Footsteps on the Moon, wasn't it, I think? Le Orme. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but any really, I'm not fussy. Well, I think the Jalo will probably make another um, uh, outing. Not before I do. Um, I'm doing a quadruple crimmy um, bill for Nathan next time. Well, um, is that revenge? Really. Because is that revenge for his upcoming double bill? Well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. See, I just kind of just in case we do get anything too horrendous, I will, I will kind of roll out some very, very old crimmy for Nathan. Um, 
She says, so I'll wrap up with requests for you to keep up the excellent standard. You're the funnest podcast going and a mine of info about often overlooked films and your quizzes are always entertaining, especially when Inga makes an, an appearance. Also, congratulations to Nathan and Wes. I hope your special day went perfectly and you have a long and enjoyable one. Oh, thank you. Marriage, that is. Um, love, etc. Becky. So thank you, Becky. Lovely thank to you, hear Becky. from you. Thanks, Becky. Yes, thank you very much. Yes. So, um, Eric, would you like to Yes, go next? I've got one here from Ara Alishan, who I think is the same Ara who provided one of the synopses for our slasher movies. It's probably a woman because uh, I think she's married oh, no, to Mike Alishan. It's Mr. Ara Alishan, so I'm assuming it's a, it's a, a bloke. Okay. Anyway, he says, hello, gents. It feels like only yesterday my obscure horror-obsessed older brother introduced me to your fine podcast. That must be Michael then. Um, well, I've since gone through most of your extensive back catalogue and felt compelled to write in and thank you for the endless hours of entertainment. Considering the fact that you are collectively the Fab Four of Fright Flicks, that's some good old-fashioned Stan Lee alliteration for you. <laughs> I thought I'd also ask your opinions on two of my favourite slashers from the last 10 years, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and Midnight Movie from 2008. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Your pal from the City of Angels, Mr. Ara, I stole lines for the ladies from Billy Loomis in high school, Alishan. Uh, and then he has a bonus question. He says, what are your thoughts on Ty West? I absolutely love The Roost, House of the Devil and The Innkeepers. Uh, but even I'll admit his films are an acquired taste, much like Chunky Kit Kats, I'd imagine. So, what are our thoughts on Behind the Mask? And Mid I don't. I've never seen Midnight Movie. I've seen it. I saw it ages ago, and I don't remember it that well. Um, I, d I really like Behind the Mask. I yeah, Behind the Mask is clever. good fun. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Midnight Movie, I need to catch again. I think I saw a kind of rough copy of it a few years ago, but um, I, it was kind of. I seem to remember it had that supernatural element, didn't it? It was about finishing or showing a, a slasher movie at the cinema, and the, the killer comes to life from the screen. I think that's. It's that one, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that any good? I love, um, I, well, I love Behind the Mask. I mean, mm. I thought it was great. I've seen it multiple times. It's a great movie. Midnight movie, I remember really enjoying it, but it's one of those ones I've only seen once and it's been a while. So, I Joseph, Joseph. yeah, Midnight movie, I saw it once. Don't really remember it, so I need to watch it again. Behind the Mask, um, I liked it. Um, the problem is it's one of those one-time watches for me because when I watched it the second time, you know what's going to happen. So a lot of its charm is kind of you know diluted a little bit, but it's still a fun movie. Mm, I think it's fun. I think I like the the way it's it sort of um, pokes fun at all the the cliches in movies and how does the killer get from A to B so quickly and why does he like arranging the bodies in a certain way so that the final girl can find them. I that that bit was great fun for me. The twist itself. You know, I think it holds up to, to repeated viewings because the plot was secondary to the the um, editing, the mechanics of it, or the the, yeah, the, the fun. Kind the of gags thing. were what kind yeah, of made the gags. The, that's, the, that's the plot true. is just you know. Yeah. What about Ty uh, West? But Ty West. Mm. Yeah, I didn't see the Roost. I saw House of the Devil, which I really liked um, because it had a great. It really captured the 1980s. I thought mm. uh, the Innkeepers I liked less, but thought was quite decent. Uh, but I do admit his, yeah, as Ara was saying, his films are an acquired taste because they are very slow. Mm. I really like, I I haven't seen Sacrament yet, which is No, I haven't one, seen that one it? either. Yeah. But um, I really, really liked, I saw House of the Devil, I quite liked, so I really liked The Innkeepers. I like that a lot. Um, I've not seen The Roost. <laughs> 
Well, I haven't seen The Roost. Uh, I really liked Innkeepers. I loved House of the Devil. I thought it was great. Um, I have seen Sacrament, and I thought it was uh, good, not great. You know, I mean, it's a one-time watch for me, and and that's it. You know, is it? Not- is it- so I was just going to ask, is it, does it follow the same kind of structure? Is it quite a slow build-up to a sort of frenetic final five or ten minutes? Or Yeah, it's, it's, it's very much in that vein. It's, it's a very slow build um, film. And I don't know, to me, it's, it's just um, with, with it, uh, Sacrament, it's, just, it's, it's very predictable. Like it's just one of those movies where you just you know where it's going because it's based off of a you know real you know story. Yeah. So I mean, you kind of know how it's going to end. Oh yeah, well, I, I kind of felt that way with House of the Devil as well. But I thought I found it really watchable because, as I said, he captures the eighties vibe, and I thought the lead actress and it was yeah. the lead character as well as the actress were really really likable. Um, yeah, and see, that's my whole thing with um, it's not that the characters in Sacrament are not likable. I mean, you know, they they were fine, but I didn't find them as engaging as I did the lead actress in House of the Devil. You know, like um, I really liked her a lot. Yeah, me too. So it just, you know, it made the movie, even the slow parts in House of the Devil, more watchable because I liked her. Mm-hmm. What about did, what about you, Joseph? Did you say? I've seen um, the House of the Devil and the Innkeepers, and I like both of those. I haven't seen anything else by him yet. Okay. Okay, well, good stuff. Just, just a, an, an aside. Um, we watched a little bit of a documentary that was on Channel Four this week in the UK, and it was called something like "Secret of the Dolls" or "Secret of the Doll Men" or something like that. But it was. Um, have you seen the, the kind of the men who dress up as as dolls? It's like a it's an underground thing. It's um, the people they buy latex, like. Um, women's bodies but like um uh, you know like skins which like skin leggings they put on and then they have like um fake boobs and like a torso they put on with a vagina and then they have instead of looking like is it like a real woman they have like a doll face and they dress up and then they go to conventions very weird (laughs) it is quite weird it's worth looking into it because it's um it was kind of they, they're all kind of straight men mostly married with children and that's their thing they just dress up as and they go to conventions um but they do look one of them said he said um you know when people when people see someone with a, a, a mask a doll mask in the, the street they immediately think of um villains in horror movies slasher movies but they have some of them have got these bizarre duck lips you know and these kind of those kind of manga eyes as well um and it's it's quite they're quite sweet, but it's very bizarre. And they walk they go walking around the streets, and people are giving them a double looks. It's worth having a look into if you. I thought it'd be would make a very good slasher movie villain. Okay, well, and the next bit of feedback is from an old friend of the show, is Andrew Rooney. He says, "Hey guys, Andrew Rooney here. You haven't come across any emails from me for a while. I've been busy, but I've been listening." P.S. Stop coming across my emails. It's disgusting. Um, congrats to Nathan for tying the knot. Um, I've been listening to... Oh, Eric. That wasn't me. Yeah. Well, we, we all know that when, you're, when you do that, it flashes on Skype. <laughs> we can see you doing it. It's not Literally. me at the moment, because well, I'm talking and it was happening in the background. It's obviously just Joseph. You're pretty, ta- you're pretty talented at talking and doing it at the same time, Eric. <laughs> I'm very... I, I do apologise, Andrew. But um, he says, I have been listening to some old episodes and reminiscing about the good old days of the Matron, Top 3s, with Cat flushing the toilet, and the quizzes. 
It's always, always enjoyable hearing Eric getting all worked up and ready to blow, so to speak. <laughs> Nathan and Joseph always made it so hard. So he has been listening to some old episodes, hasn't he? Um, if you ever lot get together in the same room, Eric and Justin really need to do hard quiz for Nathan and Joseph. No Google allowed. Not calling the Americans cheats. No stalling for time. They're magically getting the right answer. I don't know who you can be talking about, Joseph. Do you? I think he's talking um, about you, Justin. Yeah, he's talking about you. What do you mean? You were the you one who's always you? like, oh, what is this? Oh, oh. And then you'll come up with some obscure answer and be like, oh, that's correct. It's like, oh, how... That is completely See, it's bollocks. funny because That's I don't cheat because bollocks. I'm the one who always gives the quizzes. No, but uh, Joseph's always the one who goes, mm, um, and, then hear, and then it's all... I can assure you, if I cheated, I'd be winning every one of them. Okay. Well, we're all blameless. <laughs> so Maybe that's um, why Eric won the last couple. That's true. Eric's won the last few, not us. Have I? I don't think I have. You, you did. You did win a few, and that's because there was no Inga Star meltdowns because you you won. It was all very disappointing. Well, so. there was one where he actually had an Inga meltdown. Even even after he won, he still had an Inga meltdown. Well, it's come, yeah, well. come expected, isn't it? Well, <laughs> so, I miss um, the quizzes now. Yeah. Well, actually, the feedback. The other thing we did was actually asked what people liked about the show, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And some of the feedback from that was the quizzes were good, but with less pauses. Yeah, maybe we should give like a time limit. I think be like you've got of, this many seconds to answer it. Yeah, if we could do rapid fire ones, so you've yeah. got like a minute to answer as many questions as possible, that kind of thing. Like the graduation day stopwatch. Yes, yes. that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. I really like the one that I think I actually gave that quiz though, but it was like five, I mean, uh, at one round was like five easy questions, but you had like very few, very limited time to guess it. Mm. No, that sounds that sounds good. Well, we, we're going to have, I'm sure we're, we're going to top three for next time. So maybe you can look into a quiz for the time after that. But um, but um, Andrew goes on to say, I think it's high time you did a 90 special, and I know what you did last summer, and it's sequel, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ah, so I'd be up for doing a. Oh yeah, I know you did last summer. Oh, I love those movies, especially. I would agree. Two. I would agree. Far okay. superior to the Scream series, in my opinion. Oh, oh controversial. Yes. Well. Well, let's um, let's uh, you know let's earmark that in for a future episode. Um, he also says, "How about Jaws?" Um, sorry, my iPad's suddenly gone to sleep. Uh, um, <laughs> how about Jaws? The original Shark may not be a slasher, but Part Two and Three are. Those are some fun sequels. They jumped the oh, shark yeah. pretty quickly in that franchise. Take care, gents, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, Andrew Rooney. So, what do we think? Would we do a kind of a Jaws Jaws Two? episode or do you think that's too far off well we did predator i think it's it's kind of fun to do it like movies that are so almost teetering on the edge every now and then jaws 2 particularly is i think we could do something like that Hmm. it's like a one-off okay well let's earmark that for a future episode um eric well thank you andrew anyway but the last last bit of feedback yes i have one here from mike in sunny california uh and this is Mike Alishan. It's the Alishan family again. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the Alishan. Wow, they're very popular today. They are, yes. Hi, guys. This is longtime fan Mike from sunny California. As an avid fan, I make it my duty to purchase every movie that is covered on the podcast, sometimes at the expense of my poor, helpless wallet. 
Uh, some purchases such as a night to dismember and the recent pick French sex murders have been rather harsh to my bank account and other things covered such as a day of judgment have caused me to seek out and purchase VHS releases. Uh, I'm about to purchase the 88 films Blu-ray release of the last horror film after I heard that this is Eric's pick. As an avid horror fan, I have a collection of 500-plus horror movies. My favourite horror movie of all time is Suspiria. I know Justin has given it high praise. I wonder what all of you think uh, as my selection, if you can give a brief opinion. Uh, whether you agree, whether you disagree, but can understand my pick, or completely disagree, etc., I just want to know what your thoughts are on Suspiria as a whole. As always, the best to you guys. Can't wait for the next episode from Mike Alishan. Well, I think we all love Suspiria. Oh, yes. Um, I don't I still don't think I would class it as a, a giallo or a slasher, which I know Justin probably would shoehorn it into that category. But uh, I do love it. Uh, I prefer, uh, in terms of Argento's work, I prefer Deep Red. But Suspiria would be, you know, up there with it. Hated it. You hated yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I, I love Suspiria. It's not my favorite Argento, but it is a great movie. Yeah. We have discussed it. I do think it's. I don't think it's a slasher movie, like uh, say Stage Fright. Is mm. which incidentally has got a very good release in the UK yes. on Blu-ray, hasn't it? Brilliant. I recommended to Eric, and you you bought that, didn't you? I did. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch the movie. I watched the extras. I'm going to watch the movie tonight. Yeah, but I, I think it's um, there's, there's still a case to be made that it's a giallo, um, mm. because you have a killer killing you know young people and other people. Uh, you know, it's a murder mystery, isn't it? Mm, I see. I was. I always see it as kind of a witch supernatural witchcraft type movie. Um, I think it's like a, I, it's, yeah. it's a mixture of the two, mm. isn't it? But, but if, we, if we can get away with covering it on the podcast, I'd love to cover it because it is like a great movie. Yeah. Well, Deep Red has a bit of supernatural elements to it, doesn't it? In it fact, does it was released slight. as Suspiria 2, wasn't it, in, in Japan? Yeah. So, true, um, true. Uh, and Phenomena. Uh oh. The Muppets you, theme tune. Yeah. Oh, you're still um, there, yeah. <laughs> I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Yeah. Um, well, we just after saying there were no Skype issues. Well, yes, we've had two go. in a row. Justin, since that happened, you need to play the uh, classic thing from Nathan. Oh God! What do you mean? Oh God! Um, we love it. Let me get it up. <laughs> I've got to find. Where is it? Uh, here we go. It's going to be a classic. Excellent. Never gets old. So. um I think we should right. apologise to Mike as well for making him splash out a bit too much for for DVDs of A Night to Dismember. <laughs> and, uh, and Although we did like A Night to Dismember, actually. Well, also, it's so got I would apologise for A Day of Judgment. Yeah. Because yeah. he sold that out in VHS, which can't have been cheap, probably. But, uh... but A Night to Dismember has got the fun, the, the funnest um, commentary track in the history of commentary tracks. Oh, yeah. Tracks. I forgot. So, yeah, Doris Wishman, yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely worth, that's worth the, the price of disc alone. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got plenty of gems coming up. Actually, the um, the eighty eight films release of the last horror film is pretty good. Yeah. Um, so and so we will be covering that next time, won't we? Is is there, yeah. we haven't got any other feedback, have we, or anything else at the moment? But um, no. Please but send it in. Be, yes, please send it in. And it'll uh, be three weeks as I'm off to my Turkish prison for the next two weekends. So yes. Well, actually, we might be we might be meeting up, Eric. We Why could we? possibly be next weekend for the very oh, yeah. first time. Exactly. I'm so intrigued we... to see just how gothy you are. I uh, well, hopefully I can get my hair through the door, yeah. but we'll see. Um, yeah. I'll just see. I just look for the black veil. The black veil, yes, yeah. and the smell of patchouli oil. Yeah, that must be Justin <laughs> over there. I think I might disappoint you. All oh, right. I do. Do goths wear cords? 
No. You're making yourself sound like Jarvis Cocker now. <laughs> well, you'll see. Well, you might do. Anyway, we might see. We might you'll be pleased to know that I am even sexier in real life than I am on the podcast. Well... I shall try and I try and keep my hands under control. But if we do meet, then we will take a well, not literally meet, but if we if we meet in person, we will take a photo and put it up on the on the board, yeah. won't we, on the Facebook page, so you yeah. can see us looking wonderful and sexy. Well, Joseph and I are meeting up on Monday, and that's big, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But you're We're finally going to meet. <laughs> yeah, you're finally going to meet after all this time. <laughs> but after a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After a week, we are. <laughs> well, okay. Well, um, I think that's probably it, isn't it? So for this time, it, hopefully we're going to release this um, well in time for Halloween. So if you're doing anything, have a spooky good time and um, write in and let us know what you've been up to and what you like or don't like about the show and how amazing Susie is and how awful Toya is. Hey! And obviously don't... we'd be very keen to hear. So we'll <laughs> I want be playing out... To... Sorry, I want you all to listen to Anthem and the Changeling, the great two great albums from Toya's back catalogue, and tell me how brilliant you think they are, and well, thank as, me for introducing them to you. Well, as they say in the line in Halloween, the classic line, everyone needs a, a fright sometimes. So, so listen to those, and you'll get more than you bargain for. But we'll be playing out with the Thorn EP from Susan the Banshees <sighs> in 1984. No, we'll be playing out. What will we be playing out with, Eric? Oh, just the Halloween, the guitared up Halloween theme music from Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Okay, right. And we'll see you for episode 89 for the belated Lost Horror Films. So we're off to yes. Cannes with Joseph Bunnell and Carolyn Monroe for a bit of dismemberment by Chainsaw. Yes. We? So, and a bit of doobie smoking by old is ladies there? oh there is of course of course there is yes yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so a cheesy cheesy good time next time but uh yeah well thanks for listening and uh catch up with you next time Say see y'all bye bye I want to reinvent all the horror series, but every one of them is going to have the same basic plot line. My Friday the 13th reinvention is a bunch of kids go to Camp Crystal Lake to set up camp and they get killed by Jason. Nightmare on Elm Street is going to be a bunch of kids go to sleep and get stalked by Freddy. And Halloween is going to be a bunch of kids go to the Myers house and get killed off. Texas Chainsaw is a bunch of kids go to Texas and get hacked up with a chainsaw. You know, none of them are going to have major like plot twists or anything like that just straightforward slashing final girl killer the end so were they showing um one of those videos you appeared in anal paprika yeah yeah there must have been yeah but i am really sexy and i turn anyone on <laughs>